psychologist and with me as always my brain just went blank and i had a name for you i promise it's caffeine rage and uh let's be honest your brain is usually blank that is fair on today's show we will of course be discussing the games that we've played this week google enters the gaming stadia the steam link anywhere gives you pc access well anywhere if you have the bandwidth We'll have our weekly community corner. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, you're, you're getting a little bit of a robotic every so often. I'm not sure if that's me, you, or just uh, the U.S. Inter- uh, internet to begin with, you know? <laughs> because, yeah. And it's rather uh, pointing uh, this week, huh? <laughs> yes, indeed. That is going to come up a couple of times. Make sure I'm not accidentally downloading something, because I started, I redeemed all those keys, or those, well, that key, and then I had a bunch of updates on Steam. Yeah, everything's shut down. I don't know. Katie might be doing something, hogging all the bandwidth. Oh, I didn't leave that, no, I didn't leave the 4K YouTube video up. That would have been hilarious. That would have been, although I think I would have noticed before now if I'd left that running. But, uh, I don't know. If it keeps happening, I might try and see if I can do something. If we can do something about it. Um, anyways. Yeah, my my brain, for some reason, is just not firing all thrusters tonight. All it keeps going, or all it keeps playing is the My Little Pony theme song. Over and Once over. again, uh, this seems like the usual state. It's just you don't, uh, voice it. <laughs> No, I mean, I've always liked My Little Pony. Like, I've never kept that a secret, but I typically go through phases with things, and my last My Little Pony phase was several years ago. But my kid recently discovered My Little Pony, and he loves it. So I've seen six hours of My Little Pony in the last few days. Um, so well, you would either is... uh, love it at uh, the end of that or be begging for death. There's no in-between. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing I love My Little Pony. Friendship is magic. That's a potential for the the show title today. We'll see what we get from probably discussing Stadia, but friendship is magic. But yeah. Also, it was a, a very physical day at work today, which doesn't usually happen for me, but they just came in and they were like, hey, today's the day that we're moving offices. You have to move your office. And I'm like, well, I'm not even halfway through my first cup of coffee. And they're like, too bad. Get your office moved. And I'm like, fuck. So I had to move my desk and the filing cabinet and all my chairs. I've got a bigger office now. So, I mean, it's a positive move for me. But I, uh, they just, like, sprung it on me. And it was a lot of manual labor because I didn't have anyone to help me. Everyone was having to move their office around. So it was a very... Uh- that sounds uh, entertaining, you know, just the traffic jam in the hallway. It was. It was. Me and... Uh, 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 there's a, a, a desk jackknife uh, around the corner. <laughs> there, were a couple, there were a couple of wrecks. Me and uh, the person who 
took my office, like I swapped offices with this person and she and I just kept walking back and forth, like passing each other in the hallway. And we like made a game of it and we're like doing like making silly faces and like cracking jokes and stuff on our mini trips back and forth. They're, they're changing up a whole bunch of stuff in the office, trying to increase efficiency for the med staff. And there's not really much you can do to increase efficiency of counselors, no matter how hard they try. Because therapy can't be done in, you know, 15 minutes or less. So At least like, with that attitude. <laughs> they're like, fuck it, we'll just cram you guys in the back. And all of the big executive offices are in the back. So I've got a really big, nice office now that has got like two separate areas in it. It's like got my little office space in the corner with like all my shelves, shelves and my desk and um, your Dickens my, cradle. Yes, my two computers. I have two computers now. That's odd because both of them are kind of shit. But hey, I got two shit computers, so I'm the king of shit mountain at my office. Oh, there's another uh, potential uh, <laughs> show title. That is. That is. Um, but then I've also got another separate therapy area with chair, like multiple chairs set up in like a circle. We're all going to sing Kumbaya. Everyone's going to get better. Yeah, it's but you may want to restrain from uh, laying that campfire. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the Damn building's it. up the code. <laughs> Damn it. I was about to start taking guitar lessons so I could play Kumbaya, light a fire. But you know what? That's probably a, a bad idea. And far too much effort uh, for you to uh, do that. You got to commit, though. Commit to the bit. And I would commit to the bit for something stupid. Like just learning the chords to Kumbaya. Anyways. Speaking of (laughs) being committed. (laughs) Yeah. um, I don't know how that's a segue to games, but unless you have something you want to add. How about committing to my ever-loving hatred of most mobile games. All right. That works. Go for it. One Finger Death Butch, the Android version. Uh, five minutes of fun, then absolute and utter shit. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure I talked about One Finger Death Punch uh, yeah, probably months or like a year and a half ago at this point. <laughs> because, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. We have uh, one finger death punch is essentially what it sounds like. It is a fighting game slash rhythm game where, well, on the PC version, it's uh, clicking either the left or right mouse button in a uh, sequence or on mobile uh, hitting uh, or tapping uh, the left or right side of the screen. And there's various uh, power ups that you could eventually get or different uh combat styles at least on the mobile version i can't remember if that's on the pc version or not but uh let's just put it this way one finger death but to the mobile game it's a mobile game and the worst sense of the words there's a stamina system and mind you rounds in this game are sub 30 seconds usually okay outside of like boss battles that are essentially just like long guitar hero-esque sections of left, right, left, right, 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 left, left, right, you know, that sort of thing. So, sub-30 seconds, and once you're past, like, the first five or ten minutes of the game, every single match after it is an ad that's longer than the fucking match I just finished. Oh, it's one of those mobile games. Yes, it's one of those so you can see uh, why, <laughs> you know, I kind of distaste, uh, yeah, had a slight distaste. 
on top of having a stamina system that slowly regenerates, but it's also one of those that front loads you a bunch of stamina, and it also expects you to go back and grind stuff to be able to either buy it in the store with the free currency or just you know, uh, swipe your uh, card to be able to uh, pay with the premium currency. So, yeah, like I said, it's a mobile game in every sense of the word, right? Yeah. Which was sad because at the very beginning I was having fun with it. And, you know, there was an ad like every five or six matches. And it was like, yeah, okay. It's a little annoying that I'm seeing one about every five to eight minutes or so. Uh, But, you know, it's okay. But then they started, you know, more and more frequent. You know, the bowling frog thing. And then it was after every single fucking match. And uh, that's when I just uninstalled it. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say, does it not do that if you uh, go to airplane mode? Uh, I actually didn't test it because, uh, well, for one, uh, finding airplane mode is still a little bit difficult for me because I switched, well, not operating systems, but versions. So things are a little hidden right now. I think it's just uh, further back in the settings. (laughs) So, or the, uh, I should say the quick select on all the settings because I'm running the latest version of Android now with the new phone. Right. So, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve on the OS, not as much as going from like uh, Apple to uh, Android, but yeah, there is still a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just, I just had such a distaste for it. And even, you know, switching to airplane mode, well, this is supposed to be a time killer while I'm uh, chatting with, uh, you know, a friend or two on uh, online. So if I go air- airplane mode, it kind of defeats the entire fucking purpose, doesn't it? That's a fair point. Because airplane board mode that shuts down Wi-Fi and uh, mobile uh, data doesn't, it? and turns off the phone. Essentially, doesn't... yeah. I mean, it shuts down Wi-Fi and mobile data. You can do airplane mode with Wi-Fi on, but then I assume you would get the ads back. So that defeats yeah, which... the purpose of it. Yeah, which defeats the entire purpose. And also, well, it may just be uh, because my phone is new, uh, as in the new uh, latest model, and also I went with the plus model so some of the uh, buttons in the middle it's not entirely left right there's also uh, buttons that you get hit for uh, uh, various power-ups like if you do a certain number of uh, correct moves in sequence you get a power-up called the one care to guess what that does <laughs> <laughs> that could do a few things related to the matrix so uh, essentially just instant one hit kills on everything which everything is pretty much one hit kills outside of the multi-taps but it's more flying across the map because before that you have to be within a range essentially and if you pick up a weapon during the match uh, it extends the range but uh, it just makes you basically fly uh, back and forth like Batman and Ark in the Arkham series you know just bounce around like a pinball ball yeah, or, or fall in a pinball machine I should say but it uh, because uh, the screen is a little bit taller than what they designed for, it was uh, hard for me to hit. Which, yep, yeah, it wasn't exactly necessary in the early levels. But you know, they were expecting me to grind down, watch a ton of ads, and just no, hell no, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, no, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> well, that. Good to know, I guess. It doesn't definitely doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. Which is a shame because I actually like the PC version. 
but it's just utter shit on that mobile. It makes me wonder. Well, I shouldn't say it makes me wonder because I know exactly where it is. I'm not the demographic for this, uh, but it does make me wonder just how you know people put up with uh, mobile games like this. Because I understand, yeah, you know, people have to eat. You know, we're yeah. going to be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, yeah, you have to uh, uh, monetize these things, but you know, it's monetization to such a degree that it is uh, severely off-putting is a bit much. And this is on top of a store. And unless I missed it, there was no option to go in and disable ads by you know, shelling over a few bucks. So, you know, it's a, a mobile store that has you know, ads no matter what. Yeah, that sucks. I like to you know, pay whatever, and there's no more ads. No, you're going to have your ads after every 30 seconds, and you're going to like it. Or just install the game. Gary, guess what I chose? I assume you uninstalled the game. Yeah, then I went and bought a damn game uh, to uh, try to find something actually halfway decent. And this was uh, one that's popped up a few times that I've seen on, you know, uh, on a list that's usually titled Android games are actually good (laughs) (laughs) or something along those lines, you know, or Android games are actually games. So I got Galaxy Trucker, which is a mobile port of a board game, which has recently come to Steam as well. And well, for one, the the mobile version is five bucks and it has a five dollar expansion that you could also buy. So, hey, no uh, PC tax going around because the Steam version is 10 bucks and it includes the expansion. Way to go there, huh? Yeah. Good to see. So, uh, good to see that. Or good yeah, to not so, see that. <laughs> or, you know, something, right? Yeah. So Galaxy Trucker, like I said, is a board game where you're building a spaceship. And, well, the mobile version and PC version has a campaign mode that's attached to it where it's uh, uh, kind of slanting the deck one of uh, one particular way or another, depending on you know, the mission that you're on. But uh, the, uh, the pure basis of it is that you're building a ship out of essentially junk parts and uh, with some weapons strapped on, some engines strapped on, so a little bit of uh, life support. And you're trying to get it to your destination to essentially sell it for scrap. And the way that... Uh, the game is actually presented. It's actually really interesting. It's uh, highly competitive, uh, actually, from the start. Where and I'm just going to go through the entire uh, like journey, and then kind of uh, highlight some of the differences in the bubble version. Now, I have never played the board game version, so anyone that's played the board game version and I get wrong, I apologize. But they I kind of lean towards the bubble esque uh, stuff on this, so. You start off with a grid, depending on your ship class. Essentially, class one is the smallest. Class two is a bigger ship. Uh, class three is an even bigger ship. And there's various alternate uh, configurations that you can have. Essentially, just a slightly different shape to the ship, uh, to the grid that you can uh, put stuff in. And on the mobile version, they ha- uh, they push you towards the real-time building aspect where you and all your opponents are grabbing uh, cards out of the middle at the same time, and you're trying to throw together the ship the fastest. And each card 
is one of like I think it's like seven or eight different types at least so far in the campaign. They, there may be more, and cards can have up to four different connections, uh, connection points, and uh, one of three different connection types. Now this is going to sound confusing, but bear with me here. There's either uh, what they call in the rules the smooth side, a universal side. Well, I guess I should have said four types because smooth is technically, yeah, lack of a connection is still a connection, depending on how you look uh, look at things. Mm-hmm. Either no connection, a single connection, a double connection, or a universal, which is, uh, you know, could it connect to either a one or a two? And you have to essentially just put all the cards together to be able to build a ship, and there's also some uh, additional rules. Engines cannot have uh, any cards behind them, uh, and... Weapons cannot have any cards in front of them, depending on what way they're facing. And you could actually turn weapons to face different directions if the connectors allow for it. And that's kind of the, it's kind of a mixture of a strategy and randomness uh, going on because it is a card game technically. But you're not stuck with what you draw. You're able to just throw things back. But whenever you throw something back, you're uh, leaving it face up. Everything before that is just face down. ahead of you and someone else could grab it so it may be i may throw away a part that oh i don't need this i can't imagine using it well it may be something you need so you're no longer having to hunt for it and you can build your ship a little bit faster so there's a evolving strategy going on that i really like in this and you're also able at least in the mobile version to look at some of the adventure cards coming up to try to tailor your strategy to it so Let's say you see a lot of meteor showers coming in. Okay, where well, you're going to want a lot of weapons, a lot of shields, batteries to power things, that sort of thing. Or you may see, well, there, the this adventure doesn't look too tough. There's uh, some uh, epidemics, so I want to make sure that all my uh, uh, life support pods aren't touching, essentially. So they're all cornered off. Otherwise, that, uh, that card hits you and you uh, have to pay the penalty. Or you may see a dust storm, which... Uh, that one is any card or any ship that has uh, connectors uh, attached to it or, or uh, uh, exposed <laughs> to space, I should say. Uh, they take a movement penalty and go backwards, which is actually important. So it's there's a lot of very rapid uh, and evolving strategy going on just in the shipbuilding. And like I said, it's competitive right from the start. So you're grabbing things, you're trying to figure out your strategy, and you're also able to bank two cards, to or two component cards to hold on to, to build up into your ship. And whenever you reveal a new card, your ship is set. Up until that point, you're able to move the last card or rotate it or uh, decide, eh, you know, I don't like this card here, and you could discard it or put it into your bank. But you're committed once you draw the next card. So there's that evolving strategy going on. Then uh, whoever uh, finishes their ship first, they uh, call time, and then there's a set time limit. I think it's 90 seconds to uh, for everyone else to finish off their ships. So if you really want to try to deck someone over, just build a very small, compact ship and force everyone to try to rush, which is a valid strategy. And I've uh, seen uh, the computer do that more than once. Uh, the computer actually is pretty decent in the mobile version, at least in the campaign mode, I should say. Yeah, this sounds like a really, I mean, this isn't, you know, you've kind of described this to me. 
off of recording and it sounds like a very interesting game that i want to play the actual board game version is in tabletop right didn't isn't yeah. that how this came up you were talking about yeah a yeah. potential uh game night thing yeah well uh there's a reason why you'd want to uh, actually finish first outside of you know, trying to take over other people and i would have to say if we do this in tabletop we'd probably want to add to the timer just because of, you know that's the you know problem of tabletop and also one other thing is that all cards if uh, there's a connector has to uh, fit all connectors so you know it's a lot more difficult than oh let's match one to one well there may be you know this uh, uh spot has uh, a one two t- and two twos on it and then a smooth side on the other side where you have to find the proper piece for it so yeah you know, it's a lot more difficult than it, i'm making it sound <laughs> yeah so then you're off on your adventure you have uh, so many adventure cards and you're drawing through them well the guy that finishes the uh, their ship first is off in the lead and cards resolve in the order of first to last so that could be a double-edged sword depending on the adventure because or the adventure card I, could, I should say because you may come up against pirates and you have to fight them off first or suffer the penalty or you may come across an abandoned ship and give up some of your crew members to have them go fly it off to be able to bank some money. So there's, uh, once again, that element of strategy there, and it all comes down to how you build out your ship. Do you want to try to take the lead and get a, you know, a potential bonuses on the adventure cards? Or do you want to kind of hang back and play a little bit safer because your ship it wasn't all that great, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, there's a, a lot of interesting uh, things going on here. And then once you hit the end of your trip, which at least in the mobile version was less than 10 cards usually, uh, some of the longer ones was uh, like 12 cards, you essentially cash out your ship. First person there gets the most value for their ship. Uh, there's a, a bonus for having the fewest. I'm pretty sure the prettiest ship uh, bonus is the ship that has the fewest exposed connectors. Um. Uh, you get bonuses for cargo that you were able to capture along the way, which usually uh, getting cargo takes time, which pushes you back uh, uh, on your route, allows other people to catch up and potentially take the lead from you. Mm-hmm. And then you also lose money for any destroyed components. And then in the board game version, it's three adventures, and you know that's the end of the game. A per- uh, person that's uh, gotten the most money wins uh, you know, that game. And the... Uh, mobile game and steam game version of it it's an evolving campaign so you know you're going from between uh station to station uh unlocking things uh uh, finding uh, you know some actually decent humor in the game Uh, different routes have different uh, things going on with it like one uh, is uh, has a lot of meteor storms on it so you have to build up a ship for that one hat uh you're going through a war zone, so you have to deal with a bunch of uh, pirates and that sort of thing, trying to loot the ships around. But you also have a potential of finding abandoned ships to be able to cash out. It's a, a very interesting board game. And it's completely crossplay as well. So uh, from everything I can tell, I haven't actually played enough with mobile version to be able to want to venture into the, uh, to the multiplayer scene yet. But from everything I could tell in the news, uh, it is 
full crossplay, which is actually rather surprising. That's good to hear, though. Will help uh, with the longevity. Oh yeah. You know, finding games and stuff. If you don't have friends to play with, you don't play with AI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there is a secondary mode of uh, shipbuilding that I haven't toured around enough uh, with to really be able to figure out, but it's a turn-based, more like a traditional card game, you know, uh, taking turns, uh, where things come along on a conveyor belt and you're able to grab off and uh, it all centered around uh, action points. And you're also able to look at uh, cards, which, uh, like in the real-time version, but that also costs action points. It's uh, kind of a weird uh, way to do it, but I could see it uh, being a lot more strategic and a lot less frantic. But I think it also is going to rely a lot more on the randomness of things because the real-time is more your split-second uh, decision-making, while uh, strategic is more trying to, you know, figure out making the most out of your action points. I'm not sure which uh, version I like the most. Uh, the real-time is the one that's focused on the campaign mode. But it's a, uh, it's an interesting little game. It was well worth the five bucks I paid for it. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I'm, I'm going to pick it up on mobile. I'm pretty close to having enough just from in my Google Play balance from you know surveys or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely pick it up. Maybe we can play sometime on mobile. Yeah, maybe. I have it, uh, like I said, I haven't messed around with it enough uh, in multiplayer to know if you could set up lobbies or if it's just, uh, you know, completely random people. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, there's also uh, there's also aliens that you eventually unlock, or at least I should say eventually unlock in the campaign mode. That's also an interesting uh, sub-element of things. So each uh, life support ca- uh, uh, capsule, for lack of a better term, component... Uh, is able to hold two crew members. And depending on the card, you may want a large crew member or crew count, or you may want a small crew count, which, like I said, you could uh, peek at beforehand. But you're also able to try to sort in life support for various aliens, which add a multiplier to your weapons or your engines, which could help make up for a bad luck of the draw or to uh, extend your lead. It's Like I said, it's... There's some interesting strategy elements going on here. But the flip side of that is that only one alien can be in a uh, capsule and it has to have an attached life support uh, system of that particular type. There's so far two aliens that I've encountered so far. So, uh, yeah, it's giving up a crew member uh, and potentially not having enough crew to be able to, you know, board a space station to loot it or uh, be able to harvest a, uh, or I should say, be able to repair an abandoned uh, uh, spaceship to be able to go junk in exchange for having better weapons for other cards. Now, I think it's really going to depend on the person how they want to play it. It, uh, It's really neat. I've I've been playing actually a fair bit of it. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, like I said, it sounds good, interesting. I'm definitely going to pick it up at some point. Typically, a game is really good whenever you're like, yeah, I really like it, this is neat, or whatever. So, Or I don't already... absolutely hate the model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like the anti-mobile guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't put up with a lot of mobile bullshit. No, you definitely do not. And speaking of not putting up with bullshit... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So two point hospital. I'm torn on this one because I want to like some aspects of it, but there's some other aspects that just really put me off on it. Well, two point hospital is one of two hospital uh, simulators that released last year. There was a, a more serious one that came out that I'm blanking on the name of. And two point is uh, essentially the spiritual sequel to theme hospital. And it does get a fair amount of things, right? It has the humor down pad. It has kind of uh, the sort of uh, theme going on, you know, uh, kind of a goofiness going on with a, you know, a little bit of uh, serious as well. Uh, but it feels so damn micromanagey. As in, each individual room not only requires the very basics that Theme Hospital did, but in order to get the rooms up in prestige, which is required for some of the challenges uh, to be able to progress or just to you know make the doctors happier, you have to micromanage every single room. You have to put a lot more stuff in it. And it gets a little bit tiresome, even with a copy-paste tool to be able to just uh, set up the uh, you know, yet another general practitioner's office, which uh, you know gets used a lot in the diagnosis process, or setting up another scanning room to be able to set up uh, you know, a, a flow of people running through the uh, hospital, which is a bit irritating. And also, it seems like they removed or they push the AI hospitals back so far that, you know, there's no competition. It feels like, you know, you know, it's more the city skylines model of just, you know, mess around with it until you win, which is fine and all if you're in the mood for it. But I was looking for a little bit more of a challenge going on. To be fair, I only played like the first uh, half dozen levels, but there's not that many in the base game. And it also follows the, uh, you know, kind of the, borrowed bubble-esque rules of okay well you beat this level but not really there's two more challenge stars that are going to cause you to just either scrap everything or just sit here and wait and wait and wait which uh, um like i said i'm torn on it because i like the humor of the game you know seeing someone come in with a uh, mock star disease as in they're dressed like freddie mercury dancing around <laughs> Hmm. Or I someone like suffering a mom crisis, as in they're going around momming <laughs> and have to be talked uh, sense into. Or someone suffering from unibrow, or sorry, monobrow. Or there's a pandemic going around where someone uh, uh, is, is suffering from collecting too many kitchen gadgets and they are being fused with them. Or someone uh, just having lightheadedness, as in their head is now a light bulb. Which is actually, uh, that one I know is borrowed from the original game. Uh, yeah, like I said, the humor is on point here. It's just there's, uh, there, it just feels like there's something missing and, I'm, and I can't quite put my finger on what. To be fair, I only played during the free weekend and it, it feels like it's a lot more of an expensive game than what it uh, feels like uh, in the actual content. You, you know what I mean? Where it feels like, Okay, this would be a really good game for this price point, but it's like double that, you know? Yeah. I know that feeling. I get that feeling a lot <laughs> with the games that I play. Um, yeah, I think it's just the simple fact that it, it feels like at least in the first, uh, I would say, 
half dozen or so levels. It's still on a very slow tutorial and there's no challenge, which may be you know, partly my fault, just not going far enough in it. But it's also, you know, there's not that many levels in this game. So, you know, to have a lot of the challenge be, you know, hitting the two and three star stuff, that, you know, that's a little troubling, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is not a cheap game. This is a $25 game. And it feels like, you know, it's a $15 game in my opinion. I mean, even uh, even on sale, it's still at twenty three dollars, and they have is... two DLCs already at nine bucks a pop. Okay, I was gonna say, is two point like fully released, or is it supposed to be early oh, access? No, no, it's fully released. It's just oh. one of those things. Uh, well, to give you an idea of you know how micromanaging things are, in a bad way, I should say, is that the temperature control. All right. All right. There's no central heating or uh, or cooling, at least as far as I got. So, in order to uh, maintain te- uh, proper temperature on the maps that you know, are either too hot or too cold for people to just be able to walk around and be happy, you have to place radiators. All right, fairly standard. But rooms don't share heat, or they don't radiate off heat. So, there was one instance where people were, f- uh, yep half freezing to death when they went into the bathroom but the bathroom doesn't have a doorway on it so it's open air but because I did not uh, build a radiator in there uh, you know it still counted as this cold spot in my hospital and I was trying to figure out why people were you know complaining about the cold well it's because they went in uh, the bathroom and the toilet seat was cold and it's just you know that's one of those little things you know yeah and also, research and training is also a little bit of a bugbear, in my opinion. So, uh, each individual well, staff member has various traits, but they also have different abilities that they learn. And as they essentially gain experience, as they work in the hospital, they rank up and unlock training points that they could uh, get new attributes assigned to them, or new abilities assigned to them, I should say. Well... Some rooms require certain traits. Not too bad. I can understand that. But the game can also utterly screw you if you're not getting a good roll of the dice and you're getting the doctors or the janitors that you need. And the reason why I say the doctors or the janitors, mostly, is that, okay, somebody dies, they leave a ghost. Only way to get rid of a ghost is to have a janitor that has the ghost capture trait. Or ghost capture ability. I'm using the kind of interchangeably, but they're two different things because traits are also how often, like uh, a doctor with a green thumb trait, may uh, water plants that's in their room uh, or that they pass by whenever they're on break uh, to take some uh, uh, pressure off your janitors. Or they uh, may get hangry. And yes, that's actually a thing in the game where if they get too hungry, they start to get mean. <laughs> And start uh, upsetting uh, patients. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Katie gets very hangry. Well, <laughs> uh, and I'm uh, off my little train of thought here for a moment. Uh, well, Sorry. Uh, the training aspect, uh, you are able to add the uh, the abilities to them, but it just takes so damn long that if you're getting a bad roll of the dice, well, you may as well restart the level because you know, uh, you're not going to get a psychiatrist that you need for to deal with all the patients coming in that have like a mock star syndrome. So, you know, your uh, hospital is infested with Freddie Mercury's. 
and there's no way to deal with them and you're not getting the money to be able to run your hospitals. You know, it's kind of a catch 22 there, right? Yeah. And kind of the same with the research to get research up and off the ground. You have to have a researcher and that's a very particular attribute to be able to uh, learn. So you either have to you know, hold off your research until someone shows up with it or eventually, you know, just train somebody with it. But that's you know, rather expensive to be able to get a doctor and then train them to be a researcher and pretty much a dedicated researcher. So, and it's also time intensive because, yeah, it's, you know, it's not exactly an easy thing to train a doctor. No, takes time. Yeah, you know, it's not just you can't be done in 15 minutes. So there's uh, that. Yeah, I, it's, it sounds like I'm nitpicking on that, but it's one of those things that it, it feels too random to be able to be able to figure it out. Or, 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 or I should say not be able to figure it out, but be able to. You require too much of a roll of the dice to get a decent enough start to be able to have your hospital sustain itself which is irritating, uh, especially in a, well, a management game like this. And there, it just feels like there's not that much of a challenge. And that's partly just due to not having to deal with AI. So, you know, it's pretty much just, if you get a good enough start to be able to maintain, just hang on long enough to win. So I would put this more in like the sandbox management genre than anything else. Which isn't bad, but it isn't what I was looking for because theme hospital got fucking difficult. <laughs> Once you get past like the first you know, several levels, the gloves came off, and then it put on the rubber glove and it bent you over the examining table. You know, with very cold hands. Oh yeah, and I know I didn't unlock all the different features because I, I'm looking here on the uh, uh, Steam uh, page and I'm seeing like. Well, there's uh, uh, buildings on fire, or I should say rooms on fire. So there was definitely that didn't show up yet. But mm. oh, and also the game uh, loved to bitch at me. It would uh, complain that I didn't have enough janitors. Then immediately start complaining that I had too many janitors because one came off break. <laughs> well, okay. Video game logic right there. Ding. Yeah, I would say, yep. Yeah. If this goes down a lot more in price, then I would say it's probably worth picking up as you know, uh, a mess with it game. Assuming that you know, it doesn't get more difficult later on, which it may possibly do so. It's just, you know, I may have still been in the tutorial section, which I will say that the tutorial level that they teach the, uh, the training system is such a damn time sink that I nearly uninstalled it there because they set it up so... No doctors had traits, and you had to train everybody from scratch. Oh, dear God. Seems like it'd be a slog. Oh, yeah. It's just... It, not at this price point. I think that's the main thing, you know? Not at this price point. Right. Well, what? We're going to see what's all-time historic lowest price. 20 bucks. Not on Steam. But all-time price, $20 somewhere, direct to drive. Yeah, that's still a bit much in my opinion. At least based off the uh, yeah, opening levels. May get a lot more interesting later on, but I have a feeling that yeah, after the you know, 
seeing you know people running around with uh, as mummies and you know moms and clowns and that sort of thing it's just it starts to get you know once the you know the the novelty of the humor wears off and you're left with more of a sandbox it's for a very particular audience and i'm not sure if it's for the audience that used to love theme hospital which disappoints me you know yeah because i know that you were really excited for this game when it was oh yeah uh first announced well i'm also a very tough critic true very true I mean, when it launched, it didn't even have a copy-paste feature for the uh, room. So, you know, you were building every single room from scratch. I mean, they at least added that, but that's still... Uh, th- this is the city skylines of, uh, you know, uh, in Team Hospital, essentially, where it's more sandboxy. Yeah. It makes me want to kind of go check out the other one that's more serious now <laughs> to see if they went with the more uh, managerial route. And I'm blanking on the damn name of it now. Or I've been blanking on it, and I didn't want to go searching for it. Uh, Project Hospital. Yeah, which looks a lot more like Theme Hospital. Or I should say an art style, not in humor. But it looks like it's a lot... Well, it's not as rated, of course, because you know, Two Point is the one that you know, got everybody's attention. But it looks like it's rated a little worse, but there's not as many vocal de- uh, uh, vocal negative uh, reviews. So it's, yeah, there's kind of a trade-off there, huh? Yeah. But hey, who knows? Maybe it's better. Maybe uh, maybe you'd like it more. Maybe. Or maybe, you know, one of the DLCs are, uh, adds more than what I wanted. But uh, the fact that uh, Sega's going to, uh, you know, uh, this route with the DLCs, we got two of them already. Uh, with, yeah, uh, two of them within a year, I should say. That doesn't bode well, in my opinion. Probably see a few more tacked on there soon enough. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of tacking things on. <laughs> so, uh, the game or game we both played this week, golf with your friends. It was the uh, the community game night game. Um, this is a mini golf sort of game. I mean, it is, you know, mini golf, but it gets all wacky with crazy courses and, um, weird little like stunts. And most things have more than one way to try and complete them. Like sometimes courses have multiple routes, like much more beyond the extent that mini golf does. There's lots of stuff that to do in real life would be impossible at least with Loops that attitude. And like jump pads and boost pads and um what was the one on the Candyland whatever when it was like shooting out gumballs across? Oh yeah. The, you know, there's lots of stuff like that. Um it's a pretty simple game to play. All you have to do is hold down the left mouse button and uh, move the mouse forward or backwards to adjust your power and then release and away you go. Um, it can be incredibly frustrating though. I enjoyed it. I don't get quite as frustrated. Well, I think it was the uh, the physics could be a little bit wonky at times, which uh, annoyed me. Yeah, they definitely could be. I, that's, I think part, I think that's supposed to be part of the fun or part of the charm. Like, oh, occasionally things go wacky. For the most part, I didn't have any issues or didn't notice any issues with weird physics stuff. 
Um, I had a couple things that the game decided, eh, no, you didn't make that putt, or uh, no, you actually uh, hit that rock in this way when everybody else uh, hit it the other way, you know? Yeah. Which uh, we, irritated me. We played through several courses last night, just like uh, one that was like forest-themed, one that was themed like Egyptian, one that was like prehistoric, you know, dinosaurs and stuff. And then one that was like Candyland. Um, I enjoyed all of them. I liked the Candyland the best because it was bright and happy, and very prettily colored. We had a lot of good laughs last night, but I think everyone had at least one really frustrating moment, mm-hmm. or you know, at least one. Um, like Cube had a. I don't know if he'd had several really bad holes in a row and just like that last one was the last draw before he had to quit. But there was one, it was like, how do I describe this? Uh, sort of like ski ball. Um, except you had to go around the sides instead of going straight up the middle and then drop back down mm-hmm. into the center where the, the hole was. And he just could not get it. Like he kept overshooting it or not going hard enough. And then eventually he just was like, I, I quit. I'm done. And I mean, I don't blame him. If you're getting really frustrated with something, absolutely, like, you know, don't draw it out and make it worse. But everyone had at least one of those moments last night playing it. Even I did. I typically, things typically don't get to me. But I, I even I had one on the prehistoric course where I just could not get one. And I, like, uh, stroked out. I couldn't even get past the, the starting spot. It took me like 10 shots before I got past that first little curve. I kept like falling off and being reset back to the beginning. Yeah, and I had one that uh, I timed out just as it went in the hole. Yeah. So So, I ended up adding uh, several strokes to my uh, uh, count. And yeah, it just, uh, I realized that's kind of the name of the game where it's just, yeah, it, uh, is meant to be wacky and uh, but uh, it's one of those games that I think is good for a round or two. If you play it for too long, it's just you're never going to want to play it again. And I think it was a mistake to have it for an entire night. It should have been like a a double feature or something. Well, let's see. We played for about ninety minutes. I would say that's probably about forty five minutes too long. It felt about right to me. Um, but I couldn't have played much longer. Like that last one, I was like, I could go either way. But after we finished that last, that last course, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I did need to go to like, need to start getting ready for work and stuff. But I mean, I could have stayed up a little bit later and played another round, but I just was like, okay, I'm done. So it, it took me about four or five courses to, to be done. You know, obviously everybody's got different limits. Probably three is about right, sort of right there in the middle. Because it takes about mm, 15 to 20 minutes to play through a hole or through a course. You're limited to two minutes per hole, so technically it could take oh, you no, up that's to a, No, that's minutes. a server setting. Oh, okay. Well, we were we had it set to two minutes per hole. And really, that's there was only that one time or maybe a couple of times where somebody timed out, but typically you were pretty close to your stroke limit at that point anyways, cause you had gotten 
I say you, not as in like you specifically, mm-hmm. but just the royal you, you would have gotten stuck at some point. Like the holes are generally really short. There is another side to this game though. Like I could see somebody going in in single player and trying to you know, figure out the physics and yeah, either speed run it or just maximize like the wackiest shots um, in order to get really, oh, really low stroke counts. Huh? YouTube it. Yeah, the montage. Yeah. Um, and some of that stuff is pretty obvious. Like, you can see, like, ah, if I was just good enough. Like, there were a few where, like, there was that one hole, I think it was on Candyland. Maybe it was on the prehistoric one. But it was, like, if you shot your ball off really far to the side, there was, like, a little ramp you could go up. And it would drop you down right on top of the hole. And you could get that that hole, I think it was a par 5. You could get it in 2 or maybe one, you know, a hole-in-one, if you got really lucky with the right bounce or just did it enough to sort of learn exactly what you had to do. And it took me seven shots to do it, but I just was like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this until I get it or I stroke out. And that was that was actually pretty fun. Uh, stroke out from uh, the game or your blood pressure? Yes. Definitely yes. Um. But, you know, I could see I can see that side to this game, like there being people who go hardcore and look at it as like a challenge. And I, I could actually see myself doing that a little bit on some of the less crazy courses, because um, there's definitely huge differences. Because like the the one that was like the forest or the logging or whatever, the very first one that we did was very simple for the most part. There were one or two holes that had some interesting things in it. But that compared to, like, the prehistoric course or, like, the Egyptian course was just brutal. That was just hard. Uh, the Candyland course was really wacky um, and had lots of oddities to it. Like, many holes that had multiple paths, multiple, like, chutes to go down, conveyor belts, um, and things like that that would, you know, move your ball around, sometimes throw it off the edge or sometimes just sort of slam it into a wall and put you in a bad position for your next shot. And the prehistoric map had some really difficult stuff too. It, to me, it felt like it had a mix of both. But you know, so th- there's definitely some uh, differences in difficulty for the courses. So maybe a couple of the easier ones I could see myself, you know, plugging away at in an afternoon trying to get a really low score for the course, but. I don't feel like there's a ton of longevity for this. Most of it just comes like, hey, let's dick around with your friends. Because everybody plays at the same time. I didn't see what all the server options are, but you can turn on ball collision so that you you know, you know hit each other and knock each other around. Um, obviously, you can mess with the, the time settings. So you can make it frantic at a really low time. Uh, there's also some physics options. Okay, yeah. So, you you know, you could do stuff, stuff like that. And that makes it, you know, I think that's where most of the fun and the longevity for this game is at like hey let's all you know mess around for and you know an hour or two and and shoot the shit um there's a little bit of the other side to it but i don't think that's where the main focus of the game is there were five of us last night or there's six there's five yeah five it goes up to 12 players that could be pretty insane but five or six probably feels about right the good mix between enough players that you know, there's always something going on, but it doesn't feel hectic. That last one that we did with just three people was a little, eh. 
just because there wasn't much going on. But, I mean, I, I liked it overall. Not something I would go in on my own very often. Maybe not ever. But it's just like, if, if somebody was like, hey, I've got 30 minutes. Do you have 30 minutes to play a game with me? And if they suggested this, I'd be like, yeah, I'd play that. I'd play around. Maybe two, if we had enough time. But then that's it, you know. That's it, and then I'm done. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, not really. I mean, it. I think I also have to be in, in the mood for it now. It just kind of uh, soured on me after the like the first round. Yeah. So that probably didn't help things. That's fair. Okie dokie. Uh, well, then my first game that's just me is a game called Rise of Legions. This is a free-to-play game. I got early access to it uh, like <laughs> over a month ago, and I just now got around to playing it. So I guess technically I didn't get to it early. Um, but it's a single-lane... Tug-of-war game. Yeah, tug-of-war game. Um, you know, there's nothing super special to it. It's got like a deck system which a lot of these games have and you you know build your deck you can mix and match from the different factions different ones have different strengths and weaknesses sort of the one it starts you on is a balanced faction that's medieval themed um there's like a plant faction uh a lot of their guys um a lot of their attacks do status effects there's a demon faction i think it's just called the dark faction but they're like demons um, they have a lot of abilities that come or that are based around, uh, sucking up the souls of dead things. So they've got like several powerful, uh, creatures to use, but you only want to use like one or two of them and then just throw hordes of, you know, zombies or skeletons at the enemy so that they can die and then they can suck up their souls to use their really big abilities. And then there's one that's like a technological faction, uh, they seem like they've time-traveled back from the future. There's not really too much of a story here. Like, there's a little bit of a story it's trying to promote about, like, a great war and these magical towers and the weird stuff that they do. But, I mean, there's nothing really to write home about. If you've ever played a game like this, you've basically played this game. The only thing that's any different than games I've played like this before is that there are uh, spawners that you can create... Typically in games like this that I've played, everything comes out of your hand um, and you either sort of draw the cards to play them and you just have what you draw and it, maybe you can discard, but otherwise in order to do stuff, you just have to play the cards out of your hand that you've drawn, like uh, like Clash Royale, or you just have access to everything and you build up energy over time and if you want to play the larger stuff, then you have to save up, uh, like the Titanfall one or the Star Wars one that I'm drawing a blank on its name. But this one, um, one of the types of cards that exist are spawners and you plop them down uh, at your sort of starting position. And every so often, it's on a timer, it's like 20 seconds or so, there will be like a, a spawn wave, like it's not represented very well. It's like these little rings on the spawner plots and they will randomly appear and they go through a cycle. So it's not like you can get them missed. 
um, but the pattern is random for every wave. So you place them down on this sort of grid. You can see it in a couple of the screenshots. Like actually the very first screenshot, that thing behind the crystal is the spawner plot. Um, and you can kind of see these little rings that are lit up on it. Um, and the more rounds you progress through, the faster the rings light up. Uh, and then once they sort of blink out, then if you've got a spawner sitting on top of one of those rings, it will spawn whatever is sitting on top of it. So, you know, you put like some knights on there and the thing blinks off and they will spawn at your crystal and just start running across the whole map. So they're more of a, a long-term investment um, if your goal is to, or not, not your goal, but if your strategy is to draw the games out a little bit longer. Uh, they're not very effective at the beginning, but the longer they're there, the, obviously the more troops they put out. So they're uh, for better for longer games. But otherwise, you just push your way across the map. And when you destroy the uh, your opponent's main crystal at their base, you win. Um, it's got a single player and a cooperative mode where you fight um, these like stone legions. It's a, at least as far as I know, they're not a card that you can add to your deck. They're specific to the single player portion of it. So there's always something that you can do. You earn rewards and card packs and the coin currency from doing that. Um, there's different difficulty levels so that you can, you know, increase the challenge. But basically all the increased difficulty levels do are uh, give the Stone Legion guy more starting units and increase the rate at which they will, their, their spawners activate. So... That's the only difference I've seen from the difficulty. The population for this game is super low. It's definitely using bots uh, to play against you, even if you go into the versus mode. Like, they're very obviously bots. Like, one or two people that are really bad, sure, I could buy that. Um, but the amount of very generic names and bad, stupid players at the low levels, there's they're definitely using bots to keep the... Sounds like a lot of mobile games uh, that's multiplayer and sarcasm quotes have play every so often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no way uh, there's that many people that are that stupid. I hope. <laughs> yeah. I'll also, I hope. If, if they are, oh no. It was explained uh, uh, society, though. It would. Many areas of it. But otherwise, I mean, you know, you spend the currency, the in-game currency, or, you know, tons of that, or you buy some premium currency, or you disintegrate your uh, ex extra cards to power up the ones that you're using, yada yada, blah blah blah. It's like every one of these games you've played before. Um, I mean, I, I liked it. It's better than some of these types of games that I've played. It's also worse than some of these types of games that I've played. I don't know. If you like it and you want one of these on PC instead of mobile, it's not a bad one. But it's certainly Bring nothing to write home about. Yep, yep. Another one of those for me. Um, you know, I've, I've played it a couple of times overall. I've only played it about an hour or so in total. And I've pretty much got the whole thing figured out. Like, there's no other modes. There's no, like, tournaments or anything like that. Just multiplayer and the single-player Portish type mode. So, 
Yep, Rise of Legions. In there. Uh, next game that I played, Space Mining Clicker. Um, so this is one of those clicker games, obviously, it's in the title, but when I saw it, I was like, huh, is this one of those games that tries to do something, like, interesting or weird or throw a twist at you? And it doesn't. Um, you know, it's an idle clicker game, it's got a sci-fi space theme, um, the screen is, it's not static, but there's no map to move around, there's nothing to do other than click on stuff until you, you know, have enough things to upgrade to get the automation and then just wait to get the resources that you need to upgrade. Uh, it sort of hints that there's going to be something interesting at a certain point when you've completed the first few objectives, you get to choose a side between an it. Let me guess. Empire. It's a uh, coat of paint. <laughs> yes, it is between the empire of something and the alliance of something. I don't, I don't know. The names honestly don't matter. Um, because, yeah, it's just a coat of paint. You get bonuses. Um, it doesn't take very long to get through this, and I found an exploit beyond just, like, you know, running an auto-clicker thing. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but anyways, you know, so I played through both of them, and it's the same. You just get changes in the dialogue from it instead of it saying, like, we're the Empire, and we need you to do this thing for us as a mining operation because reasons. And then, you know, the other one, it's like, we're the Alliance and we need you to do this thing for us against the empire, even though you're a mining operation because reasons. And this same thing is the, like the final mission objective, whatever is the same. You're there's like a big super weapon ship. You're supposed to build and then you do that, and it gives you, like, some choices to do, but they all lead to the same thing. Uh, and it doesn't really matter which one you pick. And then the game ends, and it's like, thanks for playing. You can restart it. So Why? it's just a... Why would I? <laughs> yeah, it's just a very standard clicker game with, like, a sci-fi theme. And I, the only couple of things that it does different that I've seen from these other clicker-type games is it's got an event system that every three to five minutes an event pops up and it could be positive or it could be negative. Um, you know, positive ones are things like, you know, something, something reasons you collect double resources while this event is up or, you know, something, something reasons, uh, less cargo ships come to trade with you because pirates or something like that. Uh, and the events are totally random. You can get the same one multiple times in a row you can get a bunch of good ones. You can get a bunch of bad ones. But you build these radar dishes, which you're supposed to only be able to activate once every two mi two minutes. Like, each dish can be activated once every two minutes. And it gives a small boost uh, or reduction. Like, it boosts a good thing, and it uh, minimizes a bad thing. But you can exploit this system, at least when I played. There's been, like, five updates, so I don't know if they fixed it or not. But... Whenever you click on something, you can then hold down the space bar and it will let you click a thing infinitely, even if it's only supposed to be clicked once. So these radar dishes, you're only supposed to be able to click them once, but you can actually click and then hold the space bar and it will give you, you know, thousands of clicks on it. And you can run out the timer rapidly, like almost instantly on a bad event or extend a good event, basically an infinite amount of time. 
like there's one good event, and this is how I broke the game. There's a good event that is like uh, it's called something like Mysterious Donor, and every few seconds you get um, 25% of your maximum storage of your resources. It's like every every five seconds you get 25% of your resource research the resource storage. I think I see where this so, is going. So you max out the resource storage, which is like a billion for each one. Then that event pops up. You basically set it to infinite, and then it's like, sweet, I have infinite resources, and I don't have to click, and I don't have to worry, like, wait. I just have infinite resources. And then all you have to do is complete the missions, which are just build the thing, or uh, sit through a certain number of events, or whatever. So, it very easily exploitable, and that's how I played through it twice, and just, like, three hours or something like that it's not very good even if they fix all the bugs and then you can't exploit it like unless they and i mean this is a fully released game that's not like they're doing this as like an early access type of thing which an early access clicker feels weird but it's you know 2019 you never know what's going to happen right it's so the current unless, year <laughs> So unless they have um, some big plan that they just haven't told anybody about to expand the game and make the choices system much more meaningful or something like that, then there's really no point to getting and playing this game. Even if it was like 99 cents, it's not worth 99 cents. There's just nothing here. It's a standard clicker game that is very broken and easily exploitable. And if they fix the exploits, then it's just boring. So, it's really sad, because I've played several clicker games that I really enjoy, because they do something weird or wacky or interesting. And I think they were trying, but they didn't They didn't get it right. Which is sad. So, basically, but, uh, this game is what I expect all clicker games to be. Yeah. Yeah. This game is what you expect all clicker games to be. Except maybe you pay for it up front, so you don't... There's no microtransactions or anything. At least not yet. So... Well, it is the current year, so don't count that out. It's not begging you to spend money on space potatoes. And yes, that's what what, uh, one of your resources are, are, space potatoes. Oh, somebody uh, went uh, and played space plane and thought, huh, potatoes, huh? Indeed, space... They played Space Plan, or they saw The Martian, or both. But that brings me to my last game, which is a full-stop fucking recommendation. This game is called Your Future Self, and the more I talk about it, the more I'm going to spoil, because it's extremely, extremely story-heavy. Well, so I'm not going like to say very much. Point is about right for one-hour to two-hour experience. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to say very much about it, but if you don't want to know anything about this game, don't read the store page. Don't read well, any reviews. Well, I just read the, literally the first sentence of the, the store page. Yeah. And it says it's a short experience. So uh, that, it is. that for five bucks, okay. It is pretty short. I played it for about an hour and a half, and I finished the game. But, yeah, if... You know, if you don't want anything at all potentially spoiled, just go ahead and go to the timestamp for the start of the news topics. 
this game is fucking worth your money and your time. Okay. Now, if you're still here, I'm going to do my best to minimize any amount of anything that could potentially spoil anything, but I couldn't figure out how to talk about this game without maybe giving a few things away. So, the game is this is a time travel game. The game puts you in a loop. Uh, it, it, they say it's a 90-minute loop, but the progress of the game causes you to go through the loop a lot faster than every 90 minutes. I Actually, I'm curious if I just fired it up and left it sitting for 90 minutes, if it would reset or do something weird. Um, but this is a game that reminded me a lot of her story with a very interesting storytelling mechanic, a way that it uses the game mechanics itself to further the story. Like, if you look at the screenshots, you'll see um, these things that, like on the first screenshot, it says you on one side and your future self on the other side, and you have three stats, and num- you know, and they're numbered. Um, as you progress, you raise your stats, and that, you know, that sounds very gamey, but they use it in a way that makes sense with the story that they're telling as a way to, like, track the progress that you're making with what you're learning and as you go through this loop and try and affect changes within it. Um, I almost said something that was like a huge spoiler. This game is very hard to talk about just because there's so much because the story is, I mean, the story so is the main thing of the game. Should we just make this a game club game at some point? It would be a good game club game. Um, you know, even though I've played through it once, there's some stuff that I would like to go back and see if there are different outcomes that can be achieved or if there's sort of Easter eggs, weird hidden things that happen. But yeah, I was very blown away by how good this little indie game was. Um, there were a couple of things that I spotted coming. Like I figured out a couple of the things about the game. I figured out one of the you know, air quotes, twists in the game. I don't know if it's because it was telegraphed too heavily or if I'm just very familiar with this type of storytelling. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably the thing. It's, you know, it's one of those things that's hard to say. Like, if you spot the twist, does that mean it was bad or were you just in the right headspace, you know? But um, I felt like it was very well done. Very, very well done. Um. The only problem I had with the only thing I didn't like is it has got the I can't think of what the effect is called, but like you know when you point a camera at a CRT and the refresh rate uh, is off of the frame rate or the shutter speed from the camera, so you get that rolling line on the screen. Yeah. It's got that the whole time. Um. It's, and it's frustrating. It's one of those things that they use mechanically to actually signal different things in the game. Like, you, you pick up on that at one point. But um, it was still really frustrating. I, I got kind of used to it after about 10 minutes. But initially, I was like, oh, this is really bad. If this game isn't good, I'm like, it's going to annoy me. But like I said, then things start to change. And then I kind of got used to it. It's a really good game. Really, really good. I was very impressed. So, if you've, you know, if you didn't skip by because you didn't want absolute to hear about absolutely anything um and you're still here, like again, go get this one. It's worth 5 bucks. 
I'm sure at some point it'll be even cheaper. It just released a couple of weeks ago. So this is one of those games that will roll around on Steam for probably, you know, 99 cents at some point. And buy it. The entertainment and enjoyment that you will get from this game is well worth that. You know, in my opinion, it's worth five bucks for sure. But I know that people value different things differently. But it's definitely worth in, you know, picking it up on sale if you see it then. So, yeah. Yeah, I've also been trying not to pay attention because I do want to play it at some point. Yeah. I try to be as vague as possible. I hope that anyone listening didn't pick up on anything. I almost said a couple of things. That's why I stopped myself. I'll cut out the pauses in the edit. But, yeah, I stopped myself a couple of times because I almost said something that would give it away. But it's good. It was all mom geese the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. All righty. Well, that is it for games we played this week. Are you doing all right? Are you ready uh, to move on to news? I think I need to get a stretch. Okie dokie. Well, Stupid allergies. Gonna... Uh, just need to go uh, clear sinuses. I'm fighting yeah. it off, but you, know, you never know, right? So, Indeed. So we'll take a little stretcheroo, and then we'll be right back. Google enters the gaming stadia with our first news topic of the night. Yeah, and, and you're welcome for that fun. A... Yeah. <laughs> And this one is a doozy. It's a big one. So today... Uh, don't you mean they're changing the future of gaming? Yes, definitely. <laughs> so today at, as in today is in day of recording, uh, Google had their conference at GDC where they discussed their new or revealed officially their new gaming thing that they're calling Stadia. And I say thing because it's a little convoluted. Like, they kept talking about it having all of these different parts for creators and developers and players and and things. And we're going to break it down a little bit. Yeah, that's something I didn't add was uh, the content creator uh, to the subgenres. So. so, there we go. Yeah, this topic. I, I, I knew there was something. Let, let's just put it this way. Uh, we're up to H in the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, on our sub topics so i I guess technically this is a the first one which is overview just a very you know very top down very big picture look at it stadia is this is google jumping uh uh, powered by google essentially yeah there's more stuff to it but the game streaming aspect of it yeah definitely on live um they kept discussing repeatedly or, or mentioning repeatedly you'll be able to stream AAA games at uh, 4K 60 frames per second right out the gate. Yeah, good luck with that. And discussing all of their data centers and all of their everything and their fiber. Yeah, I think think the interesting thing is that this isn't using the public internet. This is using uh, Google's intranet, uh, their uh, internal uh, uh, network, uh, to power a lot of the multiplayer stuff. Yeah, and all of the backend stuff is... And they're going to be running it out of their data centers. So this has a lot better chance in the U.S. than OnLive ever did. Yeah. Although, I was looking um, on the map about Google. So this doesn't have a list of all their data centers. So that might also make a difference to it. But locations where Google Fiber is available near to me... Uh, the closest one is Nashville, which is about 
a three, three and a half hour drive. I'm not sure how many miles away Nashville is, but probably about 200 miles away from me. That's the closest one. So I'm just thinking like, hmm, because you still have to go that last extra bit using mm-hmm. whatever ISP's network you're going to be going across. Well, and... it's uh, such a shame that uh, Google doesn't have, uh, let's say, a map of their data centers. Oh, wait. It's something I didn't add to the link. So it is being added now. So the closest one to the both of us, I think, would be Berkeley County, South Carolina. Uh, oh, there's Montgomery County, Tennessee. So there you go. I don't know where Montgomery County is. Oh, it's in Tennessee. Well, yeah, but Tennessee is actually a pretty... It's not like a huge state, but Tennessee is very long. It's very long and narrow. So Montgomery County could be over closer to Memphis, which is like six or 700 miles away Uh, from where I live. Montgomery County, Tennessee is... Wait for it. Uh, Clarksville is the county seat. It is up uh, against the Kentucky border about halfway across the state. Or no, about one third. Uh, uh, it's uh, northwest of Nashville. So cool. there you go. That'd be your closest and probably mine as well. Because I'm just looking at these other ones that uh, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in the Americas. This is assuming that it runs out of all their data centers. So, Berkeley County, uh, South Carolina, Colonial Bluffs, Iowa, Douglas County, Georgia, Jackson County, Alabama, Lanier, uh, North Carolina, Mays County, Oklahoma, Montgomery County, Tennessee. Uh, well, they, they include South, uh, South America in this. Uh, Quicoria, Chile, and the Dailies, Oregon. So, there's only one in the West. <laughs> and there's only one in South America. So, yeah. But they did say that they're uh, planning on launching in the U.S. Most of uh, Europe, which uh, they have Ireland, the Netherlands, Denmark, Finland, and Belgium. So, you know, I would say that would cover most of Europe, don't you? Yeah. Uh, the U.K., which I love that they uh, separated those two during <laughs> the, the announcement. Well, it's very pertinent given the political climate <laughs> there. Uh. So, yeah, I think they're running out of all their data centers. So it wouldn't surprise me if they start popping up more data centers. But, you know, that requires them to lay down the fiber, which, you know, it's easier said than done. Yeah. So Montgomery is about, or Montgomery County, depending on exactly where it is, about 200 to 250 miles away, depending on, you know, exactly where it is. Um, but anyways, so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, in terms of like, I guess data travel across, you know, if there's other fiber networks between me and there, that's not terrible, but you know, then it has to go to local and we were doing some fun experiments with trying to stream like 4k YouTube videos and things like that. Yeah. Because they said that, uh, essentially if you, uh, uh, let's see, it's the US Gamer. Uh, if you could run 4K YouTube videos, you can run 4K Stadium games. Yeah, and I could do 4K 30 YouTube videos fine, but 4K uh, 60... I was hitting a, a CPU bottleneck, but I was able to download it fine, so I'd be good to go on my connection. It was just 
yep, you're doing coding. Because that's yeah. actually a lot of video data. Yeah, that's a ton. And there's more than just video data it's having to to deal with, depending well, on exactly how they do it. Because, yeah. I mean, it has to deal with, you know, player positions, and it's going to be... I know it's a very tiny part of the stream, but your movements and things like that, like, all that's got to be taken into account. And, and controls do and everything else. Yeah. Um, but anyways... You know, we're kind of uh, segueing into the service itself. So the main uh, meat of it is well, they haven't talked about pricing, which is you know goes down uh, to another portion later. But we'll talk more about that later. But uh, it is a uh, a streaming service that you could uh, latch onto from. They showed pretty much every device imaginable. You know, they showed uh, a smart TV uh, using Chromecast. It was, yeah. Uh, they showed a phone. They uh, showed uh, a very low-powered, uh, uh, well, they called it a pixel book, but netbook. Yeah. And then they showed a uh, low-end uh, PC running it. And what was interesting was that uh, the instance that they kept uh, logging into, it was constantly updating the save file. So uh, he would move a bit on uh, the netbook, uh, switch over to the phone and continue from there instead of uh, starting from a save file. So it's a, well, at least depending on the game, a persistent, always updating save file. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, particularly depending on the type of game, <laughs> right? Yeah, because you could wind up in a situation much more easily where you get backed into like an unwinnable situation. Because I'm sure everyone's had that save that they've made that's been really bad, but they didn't know it at the time. But you know, they can't get out of whatever situation that they're in. Yeah, there's a reason why I started a, uh, if a game supports it, I pretty much fill up all the save slots. Yeah, I use a rolling save system for all RPGs and things like that, I, just in case. I usually do about 30 to 40 saves on a rolling uh, system. Because then it just starts to get a little ridiculous. But it also depends on the size of the saves because modern gaming has gotten really inefficient on uh, on just how much the, the disk space they use, which is something I do want to highlight uh, uh, as well because uh, they talked about using essentially multiple CPUs, so uh, Crossfire, Crosslink, whatever you want to call it. And that makes me a little concerned that games built for this system are going to be trapped on it because it's... well. Remember when DVD started really hitting the mainstream and uh, developers stopped trying to be efficient with their uh, memory usage? No, actually, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'm old then. Maybe uh, but, I'm old. Uh, but when uh, disk space started to become less of a premium, you started seeing developers being less efficient. Uh, a matter of fact, the first Titanfall uh, to save cpu cycles and massive sarcasm quotes they had how many gigs of uncompressed wave files oh it was a lot and it was for every single language on the pc version because they just had the uh, disk space to uh, eat up uh, otherwise so it, you know it's that sort of thing i'm a little concerned about them you know not being as efficient so you know, a game that tries to transition that's built first party for Stadia 
is going to be essentially crisis or the new crisis that you know nobody can run <laughs> for like 20 years at full power yeah except for google themselves mm-hmm. except and they were uh, talking about how many teraflops you know they're uh, each one of their gpus is it's like what was it like five times as, uh, the modern consoles no it was tw- it was a single one of their gpus they were saying was as was more powerful than both PS4 Pro and Xbox One X combined. It was like 10.7 or 10.9 teraflops, which is a measurement that is nebulous at best. You know. Because it all depends on architecture and how it's used. Yeah. I mean, they Uh, were showing off some pretty impressive stuff that they were doing, like real-time rendering of water and things like that, and they were showing a comparison. But that is on something that was custom built to show off that technology. So real world application, I don't expect to look that good, at least not at first. Yeah. But it is still impressive what they're, you know, what they can do when it's uh, optimized for. Yeah. And I do think it was rather impressive. uh, The demo of them going uh, between the different, uh, uh, you know, screens essentially, because let's just uh, call it that to simplify things. And uh, having the persistent save file constantly updated. It's just, I, you know, I have that worry of, you know, like an RPG would hit a unwinnable uh, state because of it. Especially if they build it where, you know, the Stadia version doesn't have the traditional save file because of, well, something that they are, it's kind of a creator thing, but kind of not where. Uh, certain games will have a shareable link that you could generate. Yeah. Uh, it, that uh, I'm just going to throw it into here, but we can talk about more on creator tools as well, where uh, it creates essentially a snapshot save file and you're able to share it and be able to pick up in that game at that state directly. It's like, say, uh, like a safe state in an emulator or passing that along. And uh, and they showed it like a challenge mode or some sort of speed run idea. It's an interesting thing, but you know it you know it highlights the uh, the save system of you know it's a constantly rolling save at least on some games. But you could also use that as a you know as a save scum feature as well, which uh, you know kind of also takes the challenge out of some games, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I love safe states for that, though, in emulated mm-hmm. games and certain titles. Like, it's like, well, I know this is tough, so I'm just going to save and I'm save scum and not have to deal about it. You know, it, I mean, that's more of a, like a how you feel about the game personally. Yeah. But, yeah, like when uh, they it's said... It's interesting, though. That's the thing. It's, it's an interesting concept that they are throwing into this. Yeah, they they called it state share. And I was like, are they just making it where you can share safe states? And then that's what it is, is you can share save states. Now, I mean, the system they have for it, they made it sound like, and I could have misunderstood, because, you know, they were doing a lot of developer marketing speak throughout this whole thing. They did make it seem like, though, that you could create a save state and then tweak things about it, like very small things, um, and then use that to create challenges or, or things like that based on the save state. Um, Because they were saying, like, you can tweak, you know, you can adjust small things in your state, like health or ammo or whatever. They they specifically said, you know, certain games would would support this. So this isn't going to be a service-wide thing, but it's an interesting thing in the service. 
because uh, on live, uh, it, it's the biggest analog that we have to a service like this right now. Uh, never had anything like that. There was no real social aspect to it. And they're building a lot of social features into this. Yeah. Which is interesting. And we'll get onto that a little bit later with the content creator stuff. Yeah. the Going back to their demo that they showed off going from screen to screen, they talked before like how snappy it was. They kept saying within seconds. And I'm sure they did something to help optimize it. Um, you know, they're sure that the their yeah, connection speed was great there. But, I mean, it really was just a few seconds between each one and sort of extrapolating that out to real world where, you know, your mobile connection is not the fastest. I mean, you couldn't do this on 3G for sure, but, you know, maybe I'm sitting in my office and using my office Wi-Fi to play a game, you know, and then transferring it to my laptop to do that or something like that. Like, you know, I could imagine it swapping over in between five and 10 seconds in sort of more normal conditions instead of, you know, what they would have set up to be as optimal as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's still really fast to swap from game, you know, to swap it over. And that would be enough, or that wouldn't be enough to deter me from wanting to swap out. Um, if I was going to use this service. So I was, I was impressed with how, how snappy it actually was again, you know, real world, we'll see how, how far off or how close to the mark they get. But, even if it takes twice as long as they were showing, you know, during their demonstration, that is well within acceptable limits for me. Yeah, that, uh, like I said, it was an impressive demo of, uh, you know, them going between the different uh, screens. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else by the service itself that uh, caught your eye? Um, I don't think so. Not without getting into the sort of the other topics that we've yeah. singled out, like, the content creation stuff and then their potential business models. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll get to those in a few minutes. So should we bit. talk about the controller itself? Because this was uh, on the docket last week and we didn't get to it. Yeah. Cause there was like a rumored design. I don't remember what the topic it was, was from exactly last week, but okay. Yeah. Uh, basically somebody discovered uh, Google's patent and well, we found out what the controller's for. Yeah. Um, it's, interesting uh, there's some things i like about it but there's some things i hate and let's get on with what i hate about it the most it's a wi-fi controller yeah i don't like that at all yeah it's latency it's, issues. it's not a local controller it is being used directly to their servers which in theory could you know, be a lot more stable because it, you know it's a different data stream but you know, if you're having a connection problem, well, you have two connections now that are having issues. And also, if Stadia doesn't take off, well, you have a useless controller. Well, in theory, I should say, because, yeah, there's always the modding scenes. Uh, but, you know, it's a, a little weird to not have it be a local controller. To be fair, OnLive you know, was a thing. So, you know, it, it, OnLive's controller was hooked into a local box, but having it be Wi-Fi as well as, you know, it makes it so that, you know, it has to have some sort of dedicated connection. So if you have it on your phone, for example, well, you're going to have to have a Bluetooth controller for that because, you know, your phone's not going to, well, unless you set it up as a hotspot, it probably won't connect into it. Yeah. You, you know, that's opening up a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah, although there are some apps that use... Like, 
forget what it's called, but it's one of the Samsung apps, or maybe it's Android, where you can like transfer all of your phone's contents via Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of both of them having to connect to a Wi-Fi network, it just looks for the the phones. It I don't exactly know how it works. It hooks into something directly uh, on the phone. Oh well, if it's smart switch, uh, I hooked mine just by a cable when I was switching. Yeah, uh, but it any- did do uh, some sort of high frequency uh, location, it, like it was a dolphin or something. That was weird. <laughs> Um, they did say that this system is going to work with any controller that you already have and also yeah. keyboard and mouse. Yeah, so you which, don't have to get it. But... Yeah, which brings uh, the next point up. Uh, well, uh, well, I still have stuff I want to talk about the controller, but it's going to make the next point a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the controller, uh, one thing I, you know, I kind of like about it, even though I'm not sure how I feel about it, is the fact that it has Google Assistant built into it. See, I don't like that. I don't like I, that I, at all. I found, it, I found it interesting in the fact that it's not the full Google Assistant. It's going to be directed by the developers, so it could be a more targeted thing for uh, hints. And in theory, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, it uh, in total, but uh, it's something different because you know the other thing that they highlighted was the share button. <laughs> yeah, so the Google Assistant thing, I don't like that because it feels exactly to me like what the voice commands for Connect were and yeah, but you also the touchpad. Well, you have to realize uh, two things. One, voice commands have gotten uh, come a long way. And two, you're not shouting across the room. Yes, but the thing, like, it feels very tack on gimmicky to me. Like, could you use it well? Sure. But with these sorts of things, in my experience, you know, is they are very tack on gimmicky. And, you know, maybe something can be done with them. Like the PS4 controllers, you know, the touchpad thing, that started out very gimmicky, but it's come a long way and is an extremely useful feature of the controller now. Whereas, you know, the Kinect and most motion controls for the Wii and some other stuff that I've seen like that, you know, just kind of died after a while because they were just gimmicks. Maybe it's just because I've been uh, using my uh, Echo Dot a fair amount during the day. You know, I'll yell at it for a grocery list, for example. And it's actually fairly decent uh, yelling across my apartment. So, you know, Google's I don't have really any experience with because I just switched the other one whenever I switched to a new phone. and And I'm keeping from saying her name so I don't awake her now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the Google Assistant is pretty good. I use it pretty frequently for lots of sort of productivity tasks. So and I'm not like, coming at this as like, oh, it's terrible. Like, I use it pretty frequently. I just, it feels very gimmicky to me the way they're implementing it. Yeah, and, you I know, think, I could be yeah, wrong. I, yeah, and I think, but... it, I think it's meant to be a gimmick to, uh, for developers to play with to try to add some sort of added uh, features here. And they also showed it as a search tool to be able to try to get through a tough area of a game which yeah, uh, yeah it would uh, be able to uh, recognize where you are in the game because they didn't give you know well i'm in this dungeon this here it's it using current player location so there's more metadata going into the google assistant than you would be able to ask uh, verbally 
So I think it's, uh, uh, I think you're being the curmudgeon here for once. <laughs> potentially. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's, it's interesting. That's why I didn't say that. I absolutely love it. I find it interesting on how they could potentially use it. But also do recognize that it is a gimmick, at least right now. It just comes down to how much effort the developers are willing to put into it. Yeah. Maybe this is one thing where I actually do have more experience than you, and that's why I'm all cynical about it. Because as someone who did have both iterations of the Kinect and the, a Wii and a Wii U and go through yeah, the motion control stuff and you know all those like I've I've been there for the last few gimmicky things and have seen how they've turned out and I'm like eh this is just like that you know a little yeah different, but I also but recognize the the, the, you know, you know just how far voice command has come and you know the fact that you're holding the microphone in your hand below uh, you know instead of trying to talk over the television yeah no, I mean you're making a lot of fair points. I'm not like saying like you're definitely wrong. And you know, maybe this is the maybe the technology is at the point where it goes from gimmick to being something that's just integrated. But, you know, my past experience makes me very cynical towards this cuz it just feels super gimmicky to me and like it's going to get dropped after the first few, you know, maybe or after the first the, set or the of other games. thing is that potentially we're going to be seeing the next uh series of consoles trying to uh, integrate uh, some sort of voice commands. I mean, Microsoft has Cortana. Yeah, they've already got Cortana. They've already got that covered. I don't know what Sony's going to use. Does Sony have a voice assistant? Uh, I don't think so, but that doesn't mean that they can't license one. Yeah. The I want to talk about the design of the controller itself. Yeah, yeah it looks it's essentially a DualShock controller that's been kind of stretched out, hasn't it? Yeah, it looks like they were like, hmm. Well, the Xbox One and PS4 controllers are both very popular. What if we make one with both of them? Because it's got <laughs> the layout of the DualShock, but instead of the you know the touchpad on top, that's where it's uh, it has a few extra buttons. Yeah, it has Google Assistant, it has the share button, which, yeah, there's not much to talk about there. I mean, it's a share button. Yeah, and then it's got the the thumbstick layout of the DualShock controller, so both thumbsticks on the bottom with the D-pad on the sort of the top left, and then the four face buttons on the top right. Mm-hmm. But it's bigger, you know, it's fatter and chunkier yeah. than a DualShock yeah, controller. Yeah, and it looks like, a, uh, maybe it was just the, yeah, I didn't get a really good look at it, but it looks like somebody took a DualShock and just kind of started to rip it apart, and it, and it was kind of melted. So it just kind of stretched out instead of ripping in, par- in two. <laughs> yeah, which that's where... Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's just like the Xbox controller. Wait, no, it's not. The thumbsticks are in the wrong place. Actually, it's more like the PS4 controller. Mm, not really. It's too big. You got, you got your Xbox controller and my uh, PlayStation controller. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. I mean, all of these controller designs are fairly homogenized these days i think you know between the your sort of two main d- design philosophies which are the playstation and the xbox controller ones everything sort of conforms to one of those two to a certain degree yeah and um, really the only difference between xbox and playstation these days it's just uh, the uh, d-pad and, and one thumbstick yeah which personally i prefer the xbox layout with the the left thumbstick higher but yeah. that might just be because I was an Xbox gamer for so long that that's what feels most natural in well, my at, hands. At one point, uh, and they stopped producing it, 
uh, I had a, a controller from Sawtech that uh, had a module that you could swap around uh, to the Xbox controller scheme or the DualShock controller scheme. And it had to actually, it had an okay uh, D-pad on it, but they stopped producing the damn thing. And mine broke. So, yeah, I I don't know if I'd ever get the controller. Maybe. Uh, um, definitely not for me. Not I, And, like, I'm not saying that because I think it's inherently bad or anything. It's just, I, would, I don't need it. You know, I have controllers. I have keyboard and mouse. If I'm ever going to use this service, like, I don't need that controller. I've got Bluetooth controllers. I've got controllers that, you know, have, like, little dongles that can plug in and pair and, you know, like wired controllers i got everything i don't need the the google one so i don't know maybe if they're cheap enough i I might buy one just for the novelty of it but in general i don't need it so i probably won't buy it um which brings us to crossplay indeed Uh, the fact that they're throwing everybody into one pool potentially is interesting We've seen this happen before. <laughs> it didn't end well, it ha- but it happened. Yeah. Um, Microsoft has tried this a couple of times, uh, throwing uh, you know PC gamers and uh, console players in uh, uh, the same kitty pool. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm a, I'm not sure how they're going to handle multiplayer because uh, they talked a lot about split screen technology coming back because. Uh, they're able to just you know, render and uh, that, that much stuff. And they also, uh, well, uh, this kind of goes back to the whole service thing, but uh, showing off different ways developers could use multiple uh, cameras as well uh, into almost a, some sort of weird command uh, uh, screen <laughs> thing going on at one point. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Actually, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. If, it done, if it's done well, it could be really cool, but it could be very confusing as well. Uh, but the fact that they're talking about potentially throwing everybody into one pool, maybe they didn't really talk that much about crossplay outside of just you know, no matter what system you're on, you can play together. Which for some games, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, a racing game not going to matter because the PC gamers are going to be using either game pads or full on uh, wheels uh, and uh, you know, uh, setups like that. But first person shooters. And the fact that one of the launch titles they are talking about is Doom Eternal. Yeah. Which, bold move, uh, yeah, for Doom, because Doom is like the the, uh, it's the triple whammy. It's fast-paced. Uh, it requires a very low latency on controls. And there's a lot of red. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. no, no. I'm not joking about the lot of red because of how uh, no, I, uh, colors No, I know that suffers from compression. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the color red is actually gets the lowest amount of memory in video compression. So there's a, a a game that has a lot of red in it, or a movie that has a lot of red in it, has a lot higher chance of being pixelated, no matter the resolution, just because of how compression works. It's something I've yeah. noticed, uh, you know, doing some uh, streaming movies. Matter of fact, I talked about uh, when I was watching The Martian. Oh, well, that red light is just a bunch of pixels because of how they did the compression. There's not enough memory for it to render out all the little nuances of different shades of red. 
in between that and all the light uh, from the light, that particular light source made it just a uh, you know, a red giant pixel. So for Doom to be a launch title, bold, very bold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how. I mean, the the only couple of genres that I can think about where it really matters a lot is shooters and like a an RTS. Yeah. But I think most games and genres have shifted so much over the... I mean, there's there were certainly plenty of genre or game types where I don't think it would have mattered as much anyways. But I think it's just stuff has changed a lot, and that doesn't quite matter as much as it used to, except for a couple that have very well, clear uh, major advantages to keyboard and mouse over well, I would a say controller. the strategy genre in general, uh, more than just RTS, but... Uh, oh, also ARPGs. Yeah, you're going to have more precision with a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, but I don't think ARPGs. I mean, those tend uh, well, to be more cooperative than competitive. I mean, uh, I know that there are competitive sure. ones out there, but they tend to be more cooperative. Well, I was trying to throw out you know, another uh, genre, but also, well, you may be right on uh, just the fact that. There's been a shift away from uh, shooters being the big thing in gaming these days outside of Battle Royale, which, yeah, yeah that's going to be a problem <laughs> because they were uh, pushing Battle Royale rather heavily, talking about thousand player uh, Battle Royale. Which, yeah. Can you imagine that netcode if uh, the netcode for uh, PUBG and Fortnite can't handle 100? Yeah, I'm out. I don't. I don't want anything to do with a thousand player battle royale. Not that that's necessarily a bad idea or anything. That it's just doesn't interest idea. me at all. That sounds like my nightmare scenario. <laughs> oh. I think being forced to play battle royale in general is uh, like a nightmare scenario for me. So uh, it was something that they were highlighting, and you know, the fact that battle royale right now is kind of the big thing, though. You know, it's not FPS. It's most of them are third person shooters. So technically correct on FPS not being the big thing, but how are they going to handle that? Yeah. Don't know. I guess we'll have to find out if it happens. I don't think it's as big of an issue as it used to be, just because of the larger diversity of of games and genres that have gone online and have added multiplayer elements and an increased familiarity with the general public of how video games work. I mean, definitely there would be some problems on some specific genres for sure. And I'm sure there's some stuff that yeah, I can't Yeah, but the thing is that those you know, are some... Uh, uh, you know, shooters are a very popular genre still, even if first-person shooter isn't exactly as popular as it used to be. Yeah, I see this, though, being huge for, like, sports titles. Like, that oh, yeah. genre that we don't think much about, because that's not probably the only... or one of the only genres of gaming that's not in our wheelhouse. But think about how many people play sports games across you know various platforms and i don't think that's a genre any of those games football baseball basketball golf tennis soccer that really the control input matters all that much in fact maybe even in those types of games a controller would have an advantage the analog nature of the control might well, give somebody an advantage are, are, in a sports are game towards uh, an actual controller over keyboard and mouse yeah. So yeah, you are right in that. I guess so, I'm, I'm guess I'm more focused on where crossplay would be a problem than where or it would help. 
because yeah because i remember oh now i'm blanking on the damn name of the game it was a vista uh exclusive which also was kind of you know the kiss of death for it halo uh, 2 no 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 uh, <laughs> uh no the one nobody remembers mm. uh right they, that they one. threw uh control uh, they threw a you know, full crossplay into it and it was a disaster um Shadowrun? Uh, I think it was Shadowrun. It's yeah, Shadowrun had crossplay between PC and console. Yeah, and the PC players were just decimating it. But yeah, it's just, I'm just uh you know, I'm a little concerned about it, that's all. Because yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. I mean there's pros and cons to it. There's definitely gonna be games or genres that suffer from it there's gonna be ones that benefit but i think by and large it's not really gonna matter all that much i think the p and i think the people that I think know it, i think it, where it matters is going to be uh, uh you know where it really matters where it's really going to be a problem and yeah google will uh, say okay well full cross play but we're going to segregate by controller input on these titles they also could just throw up a warning like hey this type of game tends to benefit from players on keyboard and mouse you're using a controller you might be mounted with people with keyboard and mouse so i don't know how they're gonna do it that's one way they could just segregate but you know they said full cross play so if they segregate there will be a a, a group of people that will be like oh you said you were gonna do this you're and it's gonna be a thing so um so, I don't really have anything else. So, yeah. content creator tools? Yeah, so they showed, uh, well, we already talked about essentially save states uh, sharing, but also the, the lobby system was interesting. Do you recall that? Yeah, wasn't that where they said that if like you're watching a streamer and you want to join a game with them, you can uh, queue up? Yeah, essentially, into uh, their... well, uh, to use the old arcade analog, put your quarter on the table. Uh, to uh, queue up for it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't uh, it's, stream uh, anymore. I was never a popular streamer to begin with. I don't know if I would like that, but I'm sure there are streamers out there that would, yeah, you they, know, to increase audience engagement and stuff. Yeah, they were really trying to push some of the you know, streamer stuff. That And uh, they were focusing more on the fact that you could uh, do a challenge mode. Uh, with the safe states uh, sharing than anything else that, you know, it felt like uh, that entire section of the, uh, of the talk was more for, uh, this is uh, for the people that have more than a million followers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a, a little disappointing that they took that angle, especially with the safe state. But uh, the fact that, you know, you, you know, for a game night, we, we could be streaming it and people could jump in a lot easier is interesting but unfortunately it requires a, a, a actual stream going on but if they expand that to the entire lobby system that would be very interesting yeah that would make it interesting to play games that have you know a a, a very common limit on the amount of people playing it's something like four or eight you know something like that you have more people playing it's like well i guess we can just all like take turns or whatever and but with this system you can just sort of queue into the lobby and whenever it's your turn you you know you get dropped in and then you just go back into the queue like i like that idea i think that's pretty cool mm-hmm. 
Uh, that, that was the only real creator tools I could remember. Was there anything else? They uh, said that there's going to be more details later on for most of these systems, though. Um, they were saying that if you were... Oh, what was it that it was doing? If you were streaming, or if you were playing and you were like saving it or doing a content creation thing, it would put a video on YouTube yeah. as well. I don't remember yeah, exactly is, how that yeah, went. Yeah, which is, this is a shot across the bow for Twitch. Because if they uh, try to lock us to YouTube, that's going to be uh, some serious trouble for Twitch. I think that if it's your rec- recording something for content creation, you can set it up to where that it also streams. That way someone can watch it live, yeah, you know, live also, on edited version. They also specifically said that you have full control or control over this. It's not always a thing. And yeah. they also highlighted the parental controls, which is not quite content creation, but it does show that you know they are thinking about this. Unlike some certain other storefronts. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that was I'm just trying it, to think. They uh, It was more them highlighting these couple things that was neat. Yeah. And obviously the share button. Don't forget about that share button. Oh, yeah. Uh, yo, the social media button. They had MatPat on stage, too. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, whatever. MatPat's all right. Never, never met the guy. Don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy in person. I like some of his content. Other of his content, I don't. I think I watched a little bit of his stuff, but I can't recall. Yeah. Um, uh, it was but, interesting, but they, though. But they did, uh, you know, uh, how, like, well, he has more than 2 million followers, so, you know, he's important. Let's bring him out. Yeah, I think Matt Pat has got more than 10 million followers. Uh, or did they say 10 million? I just... I kind of roll my eyes whenever people talk about how many followers somebody has before they bring them out now. I'm looking. They probably said 10 million. I just, you know, I, I, you know the sound from my eyes rolling just made it sound like two. Yeah, it's uh, currently 11,453,417. Yeah, I probably should have some eye drops. You know, uh, you know my eyes are that gritty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,. Anyways, the one thing I was going to say, I just thought it was funny when he came out, the difference in listening to someone who does this for a living versus these big executives talking. Like, I mean, obviously they're reading a teleprompter. I think this is the first time I've ever really noticed people reading the teleprompter doing these. Mm-hmm. I don't know if just everybody was nervous or if the stream, like uh, the were, camera was uh, focused uh, a lot more on their faces. Times, uh, especially whenever they were talking about stuff uh, that I saw the stream kind of jitter. And I, I was just thinking, Boy, this doesn't bode well if your stream on this announcement is doing this. Yeah, but then Matt Pat gets up there, and I mean, this is what he does, you know. So he just was like going through his thing. He might have checked it one time noticeably. So, yeah, I just you know had a little chuckle at that. Not because it's bad, just like, yeah, this is what a, a pro at this looks like. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people who seemed nervous on stage today, which I get it. Well, I get well, it. Google, uh, this is a big announcement for Google. I mean, think of all the better data yeah. this is going to bring in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I just took to a get... drink. I nearly, I nearly spit it everywhere. Uh, I didn't expect I to kept get that big of a laugh. <laughs> but, no, that was but, good. But that's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the uh, next you're gonna, one. You're going to have to keep that noise in. I will. I'll keep that noise on. So the next one thing that they, or the next thing to talk about is cheating. Yeah, they uh, targeted cheaters in one part of the uh, 
conference and there's been a couple articles them talking about how cheating is going to be a thing in the past with this really that there's no such thing as man in the middle uh, uh packet uh editing that's going to be fully encrypted yeah i don't i i you, actually you do not challenge it. cheaters <laughs> no you don't do that someone will break it very quickly within within two weeks Someone will have. Oh, you're thinking it'll last that long? Well, I guess it does depend on how much encryption they have on the data stream. But yeah, yeah, saying it's cheap proof is a bold statement. Yeah. Good luck to them, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and I kind of want to. I'm going to throw in modding on this as well because that's kind of a. It's not a feature on a lot of the games that they showed. Well, except for that one where they kept changing the art style which i'm not 100 percent certain what was going on with that because i was trying not to develop a migraine when they put pac-man on oh damn <laughs> or yeah you recall that one no i recall that i was there was a little bit of time where i wasn't like fully paying attention to the stream i was doing something else um and i think they started showing those backgrounds and talking about whatever that tool was to uh, like machine learning to to like very quickly apply art styles and things like that and I just kind of zoned out from that for a minute. Yeah, and then they started applying different uh, essentially masterpieces, uh, you know, classical art. And then they put Pac-Man on it and it broke the game. But they were talking about how awesome it was, but oh, that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, there's not going to be a lot of modding possibility unless, you know, it's, uh, you know, how Bethesda wants to do modding, you know, a, a paid workshop. <laughs> Yeah, which, yeah, for a lot, I, of, a lot of the games that they highlight, it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, the games that are pushed for modding is either going to be severely crippled on the service, or they're going to have to have some sort of third-party storefront to bring in mods, and that's going to be very limiting. Yeah, I don't expect very many things, if any, on this service to be moddable. just because they're doing everything on the back end. Like that's the thing; it's all yeah. done on Google's side. And I just don't imagine them saying, okay, you can have your own, what would it be, instanced version of this game that you're able to apply mods to. Like, I just don't see them doing that. Like, that's this isn't the system that you do to go for that customization. Yeah, yeah this is uh, for a very, uh, uh, this is for games as the developer intended. And they actually used that phrase several times talking about the graphics, uh, the graphical fidelity, be able to just max out everything. But it also swings back around to, you know, be able to apply mods, be able to, you know, uh, cheating on a, a personal level where, you know, you're putting out a cheat code or, you know, doing a me- memory edit. You know, so, you know, there, this is as the developer intended uh, for good or for ill. And that's why I'm kind of throwing money on this as well is that this is a closed system. This is a walled garden. And that has both the benefits and the uh, yeah, the drawbacks. Yeah. Um, Let's just put it this way. I wouldn't, uh, well, I wouldn't want to play Skyrim uh, anyway, but Skyrim uh, on this would be a lot less fun. I think that's true, but I could play it on my phone in a really, but why would I ever want to do that? I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that in our next major news topic. Yeah. Teaser. So, <laughs> so the next 
sort of one of our our the last one of them before we get to our sort of final thoughts on the thing is the model you know business model and things like that they did not announce any prices for any of this or how uh, it's going to be uh, set up in general uh, uh, if it's going to be an a la carte if it's going to be a subscription or a combination thereof i think a combination is probably the best bet for this yeah i do too i think microsoft and uh ea both with uh game pass for microsoft and either ea or origin access depending on which platform you're getting it from is sort of setting the you know the standard for this which is you pay for the subscription and with microsoft it's just one flat uh subscription there's no levels to it uh, Origin Access has different levels to it. There's like a basic and a premium. That yeah, gives you different I, yeah stuff. I expect the uh, the EA model, uh, a tiered system. Yeah, but then, you know, so you get, you, you pay in for the monthly fee or yearly, depending on how you do it um, or how they set it up, and you get what access to whatever their library is. You know, let's just say 100 games. You get access to those 100 games to play. And if you want to buy one of those games to have when it goes out of the rotation, then you can buy it for a big discount. I think Microsoft for, I think it's like 50% off if you have it on Game Pass. Maybe it's 30. It's it's pretty big. It's between like, I think a, a one third to a one half, um, you know, price reduction. Um, and then Origin actually doesn't have a discount for the regular if you have the premium, I think it's where you get the discounts if you buy the games. And the standard is just access to the games. I might be getting that wrong, though. Their tiered systems are weird. But, you know, I think that that's the model that they're going to go with. Um, yeah, I mean, there's it just makes the most models. sense for the market. I mean, there's other models out there. there. I think Battle Nonsense did a video on it, and I'm actually going to double check, where he showed some of, uh, well, at the time, the... Uh, options for cloud uh, gaming and yeah it was battle nonsense it was six months ago he's gonna have to do another one now uh talking yeah. about the different uh models that they had and there was one uh that was uh, yeah essentially you know the full subscription you know you get a set number of games that you get uh, but then there are some that are token based that each token is so uh, much amount of time there's some that's just pure timer based and I think if they do either of those, that's you know that's a kiss of death for most players, because you know it's uh, the old metered system that just never worked for dial up. Uh, that's what dial up did before they went to a flat up subscription fee. Was it was a metered system and people bitch and moaned and people eventually just went up to the point where it was, uh, you know, uh, a monthly fee and it kind of just relegated the old metered system. And it shows that I'm fucking old that I know about that. <laughs> uh, but nice. uh, I do expect them to have a, a a tiered subscription fee, and I'm not 100% certain where they're going to set the prices. I think that's going to be the, that's the mystery right now for me. If they're going to go, you know, copy EA's prices exactly, or if they're able to strike enough deals with major publishers uh, to be able to push up the price just a little bit. Or they go to, or the other option here is, and I did kind of jokingly say all that sweet metadata, but they could make this a loss leader and, you know, tie into their advertising thing because 
that has been Google's thing for quite a lot of services is make them, yeah, mostly pay for themselves, but not quite. I mean, look at YouTube. YouTube has never turned a profit, but it is an advertising platform. It is a metadata generating platform. Could this be one for gamers? Potentially. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, you thought I was making a complete joke about that uh, metadata thing, but no, I actually have given it some serious thought. And the I moment did. They, when they talked about you know, uh, the Google Assistant and it knowing exactly where you are to be able to say, how do I uh, do this tomb? And it's able to do a top search result based on the player's location. That tells me that they are sending a lot of locational data and a lot of data based on your just general habits in the game which i imagine developers would love to know because think red shell think how many people were pissed about that yeah all these uh data breaches all these uh you know uh different companies founding uh out to be snooping around in uh, various uh, data uh, uh files uh epic <laughs> for one <laughs> yeah so, I don't. Yeah, I think there's going to be a, you know the metadata is going to definitely be a, if not a, a reason for them to cut down the price, a you know that little carrot for the uh, developers. Yeah, that's interesting to th- think about. I don't think it matters all that much though. Not from like an ethical perspective, but from just like um a realistic perspective, like where we are with how much metadata is collected regularly oh, is no out there way, all the time. There's no way to read every single uh, terms of use anymore. Yeah. I don't think from a practical or a realistic standpoint that matters anymore. I think we're past the point of being able to do anything about it. Oh yeah. Well past it. It's, I mean, I'm, uh, I have a uh, live microphone sitting about six feet behind me. That's constantly listening to me. Yeah. So, but yeah, that is interesting though. I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, they have to be collecting at least some uh, metadata on the players just for the Google system to work like that. Yeah. Um, Even if it is a highly targeted version of it for that particular game. You know, some something that I just thought of is that Google has got their, I forget what it's called now, but. It's where you get, you know, you pay the subscription fee and you get access to Google Play Music Unlimited or whatever it is and YouTube Red mm-hmm. um, as part of that. I wonder if this will get added to that package. You know, you just pay or for their ultimate tier. subscription. Yeah, you just pay for that subscription. Yeah, see, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because we, we do that. We've got the, like, the family subscription so that we can all share apps and games and uh you know audiobooks and movies and then have youtube red and google play unlimited or music unlimited so it would be interesting if that gets added to it or becomes another tier of that service i would imagine that they would just add it at first as like for a limited time you can have access to stadia i keep wanting to say stadium to stadia with well, part of your Google... Greek for Stadium. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
Um, but yeah, you know, just a part of your whatever for a limited time and then try and get people, you know, the first hits free sort of thing. But I wonder if they do that as well as part of their business model. Uh, Aging sure. Roman or Greek uh, uh, measure of length about uh, 185 meters as well. <clears throat> what? <laughs> Nothing. I remember there was a second um, definition that I didn't really look at. I just knew that it, uh, it was referring to uh, an ancient Roman or Greek uh, uh, well, stadium, but it turns out to be derived from uh, the foot race in that, the stadiums, and that is the length of the race was 185 meters. I have a feeling that the trend uh, for use over time on stadia is about to go through the fucking roof, though. Because I'm looking at the trend line <laughs> on this. <laughs> and it has like 1800s, yeah, really high. Uh, 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 1825, it's starting to fall off. Uh, and it's been pretty much flatlined since like 1890. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I can't think of anything else to discuss from a business model standpoint uh not really for me either it's uh it's kind of a wait and see right now because they you know they uh danced around that uh, way too much for me to think that there's not going to be a lot there yeah um okay also finalizing deals as well so they couldn't talk about it yeah so final thoughts closing thoughts uh it's a very interesting thing it's looking at their map for the data centers though it's it's gonna be hell to try to play in california <laughs> uh, but maybe this is not a u.s centric uh, idea because uh, i have the tendency of thinking in my own backyard what can i say it's a fallacy but you were right whenever we talked about this off air that you know maybe this is more of a you know going to be bigger in Europe where online actually had a, or on live, I should say had a bit of a better following, but they were never able to really keep afloat because they just, it was their only thing. Google is able to swallow the cost if need be. So I think it's going to be a lot more successful than online ever was, but that's not exactly saying much now, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like this tech. I like this idea. A long time ago, on one of the first episodes of the show, um, in sort of the lost episodes that didn't make the transfer from the old RSS to the new one, for reasons, um, you know, I talked about this, like, sort of a future of gaming thing, where I was like, you know, I think at some point, you're just going to have, you know, one, one device that just streams everything over the internet, you know, something that's wrong. it's not even a device. No, it's not even a device. But I was in sort of the right ballpark. Like you weren't going to have any physical anything. It was just all going to be streamed over the internet. And I was thinking like a phone. You know, whatever phones are like in the future, and that just streams everything from the internet to your TV or whatever. But it, you know, they're just skipping that part and making it where you can stream it to every device. And I do think that for mainstream video gaming um this is probably genuinely the future of gaming the big question is is this the right time for it are we too soon you know is the tech at the right time and what you said about the internet 
is a big one. There are places in the world that have really good internet. Lots of places in Europe do. There are a select few places in the United States that do. Lots of yeah. When my uh, internet Asian... works, it, it, it holds all sorts of ass. Yeah, um, Asian. You know, a lot of Asian countries have really good internet. Um, and I think that this service is probably directed more to those places than just me, someone who lives in a in a rural area who has okay internet, um, but nothing you know spectacular to write home about. Like this service is not for me. They can say whatever they want, but this service yeah. is not for me. That's yeah, not yet. Yeah. So I saw you know, one article. Uh, I didn't add it to the docket. It's it was a lot more critical. I wanted just something a lot more uh, informative, just to you know, give us the facts. But it was uh, Google uh, announced. Uh, I'm trying to think of the exact wording of this, but uh, Google announces Stadia, a great idea for 2050. And I don't think uh, well, 2050 is probably a bit uh, far off for this type of idea, but at least in the U.S., with the FCC being absolute dick bags, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be as stable as it needs to be in the U.S. unless Google is willing to put out a lot more infrastructure. And is it worthwhile? I mean, that's the thing. Is is this going to be a worthwhile investment? Maybe, maybe not. It really depends on just how well this takes off. And uh, the U.S. has a problem of being very spread out. It, the U.S. has what's the actual population density of the U.S.? Oh, I don't know. A quick Google search will reveal it. Uh. 35, well, in 2016, 35 people per square kilometer. That's, yeah, not a lot, actually, is it? No, but it's it's one of those things, too. Like, you know, yeah, you look I, at the population heat maps, there are huge concentrations. I mean, this is prevalent in any country, but in a country like the United States, which is so large and spread out, there are huge hot spots where that population density is extremely high. But then there are plenty of low spots where it's extremely low. Like I remember, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there was a YouTube video I watched from Wendover Productions that discussed this at one point. And like there's areas in the United States where population density is like less than one person per square kilometer. And then there's areas where that it's... Uh, the population density? In the... Porn. In the in the 20 something thousands, you know, like per square kilometer and in, in places like Atlanta and New York city and, you know, things like that. So yeah, but Atlanta's cheating. I mean, having a parking lot uh, kind of raises your numbers. <laughs> and I mean, really that's all Atlanta is just a gigantic parking lot. Uh, that, an oven that fills up twice a day. Actually, that's not true. It's full all the time. It never empties out. <laughs> I've driven through Atlanta a bunch of times. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, I, I think 2050 is a little bit being snarky, you know, just for the point of it. We'll get there faster than that. I don't know exactly when, but I think we'll get there faster than that. But, yeah, I think, you know, I think this a, service... Oh, this is going to be one of those morbid things, but I think as the older generation dies off, 
and um, there's even more of a focus on the technology sector, I think it's going to be a lot more pressured to get a better infrastructure for the internet in the United States. Uh, and uh, it's one of the things that I think it's just, you know, the old curmudgeons, which I realize at times I can be one of them, uh, kind of holding back uh, technology in the U.S. Where they think, oh, yeah. the internet, why would you want to have that? Yeah. I've said several times on this show, if there was a presidential candidate or, you know, more local, maybe statewide candidate for me or local candidate, that their whole platform was like, look. My whole thing I'm going to focus on is internet and network infrastructure reform. You know, getting fiber out there across the country, focusing on net neutrality and things like that, making that hard legal, you know, whatever the the right way to say it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it all depends on how it was written on that one. Yeah, but if, like, that was their whole focus of their campaign – they would have to be really terrible in a lot of other areas for me to not vote for them. Cause that's, I mean, that is one of the biggest things of the future that the United States is lagging behind in most areas. Yeah. That's something my, my state has tried several times of uh, doing a, a partial fiber network in the main river Valley, which I live in. As a matter of fact, last week they announced a, a 200-some-mile deal uh, with Google to lay fiber, and part of it is through uh, the Kanawha River Valley where I live. So who knows? Maybe I'll have fiber one day because they talked about it be, uh, opening up the access to the middle uh, the middle mile uh, for uh, ISP. But the thing is, you know, the big ISP here is a cable vo- provider. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, same here. But the um, other thing is, yeah, the monopolies in the U.S. that run rampant, especially on ISPs. Yeah. Which Google tried to do something about, but they got blocked on every single front, it seemed. Yeah, the same with EPB here, which is a local, Chattanooga's local municipal fiber internet provider. Uh, what, they just get blocked? Oh, yeah hardcore by the state state legislature and i mean epb kicked everyone's ass in chattanooga and the area that they expanded to it's crazy how cheap you can get fiber internet and tv services and phone and stuff for yeah and they make yeah as the older generation dies off and uh, more uh, more focus is put on that yeah. Uh, yeah, the politicians that block this will uh, eventually get booted out of office. And it's just a shame that, you know, technology is one of those things that's got. Why the hell is technology a, a political uh, uh, statement? You know, being pro, uh, 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 pro technology. U.S. politics is just stupid. Yes, it is. Um, uh, but you were saying, see. sorry. Other, what was the. I had another thought. Oh, um, so anyways, I was talking about, you know, the fiber actually being the potential future, you know, this actually being the potential future for mainstream gaming. The thing is, is I, I want to try it. I want to give it a shot. I think I see a potential use case for it in my house. Um, you know, with my kid, with my wife who, you know, enjoys certain games occasionally. I mean, my kid's getting more into gaming 
probably in a couple of years if he really, really, nah, he's still a little too young. But soon, if he sticks with gaming and he, you know, wants to do it more, I'm going to get him into PC building and, and do a build with him and stuff. But I could see a case where he would want that, want this service instead of, you know, wanting, you know, having to be tied to specific hardware, you know, generational differences and all that stuff. But I don't think that I fit into the target market for more than one reason. You know, Jim, uh, one of our listeners, Jim3535 posted, uh, you know, a, a funny little Venn diagram. Uh, Venn diagram. But, it, you know, it's got some stuff listed and Stadia doesn't fit any of the stuff. Yeah, people who don't uh, play anything under 100 uh, ping, uh, people with no data cap and a very good router, or who live alone, and people who don't uh, like G-Sync, FreeSync, 120 hertz monitors, THC, modding, Twitch integration, LAN, or ownership of the things they buy. Yeah, and Stadia's in the middle, and none of the circles cross in the middle. But Which is not wrong. you know, but that's why I said I think that this is for you know more, the more mainstream, the more general population, you know, or for, for... is uh, potentially the buffet gamer like myself that likes to try a little bit of everything, but doesn't want to go hardcore into a game. Yeah, it, it also depends on the model they are using as well, because you know, depending on the model, it could be absolutely terrible for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I still want to try it. I want to see what it's like, and I hope it does well, honestly. You know, the gaming space could always use more competition. I think if anybody's going to pull off this whole thing, the combination of, you know, making a streaming service work, all this crazy back-end tech that they're talking about, like, in my mind, there are two companies that can do this, Google and Microsoft. Who do you and Microsoft is... No, <laughs> but you know what choice, you know, what choice do we have? But I mean, in my mind, Apple. those are the only two companies that can Apple. No, <laughs> definitely not. And also Apple couldn't do it. I know Apple's a big company, like, you know, compared I, I to lots of other companies. I, I, I was being sarcastic. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't think Apple could do it. I don't think Amazon could do it. Amazon's probably a third. Yeah. There might be some companies that I'm not aware of that are large enough to do it. Which integration of Amazon did this? It would be terrible. At best, it would be terrible. But, you know, Google and Microsoft are the only two companies that come to my mind that actually might have a shot at pulling this off right now. So, if it's going to happen, not necessarily now has to be the time, but if it's going to happen sooner than maybe like a decade away you know i think google is is one of the only people or one of the only companies that can do it and um good luck guys i don't i genuinely don't want this to fail because i think it's got more positives more potential than it has negatives you know because there's pros and cons to everything but i think this has more good than bad if it succeeds yeah and i think you've covered pretty much everything for me i'm uh, maybe a little bit snarky on this, particularly with the tech. Uh, but I don't want it to fail, but I also don't want it to be the only method to play games in the future as well. I'm going to have options. That's part of the reason why yeah. I'm pissed with the Epic Game Store is that they uh, take away options uh, through force. If this is an option to play games, and uh, they did talk about a, a first-party uh, uh, developer 
in-house developed games for this. So there is going to be you know, a potential carrot to draw people in, especially you know, usually the uh, first party stuff on a uh, platform is you know, your, uh, what draws a lot of people in. You know, it's the, the Half-Life for uh, Steam, for example, or pretty much anything EA does because they don't put anything out on uh, anything but Origin. And we never really talked about them doing that, but then again, they didn't really talk a lot about that. Just they were uh, doing in-game development as well. So it does look like Google is committing to this uh, pretty heavily. Now the question is, will they stick with it if you know, it doesn't take off immediately? That's my real sticking point with this. Because this is not going to be a cheap venture. This is going to cost a lot of money. This is going to be tough to get off the ground because this is essentially a second layer to the digital revolution in gaming because think about it there was a bit of resistance for the general public whenever digital gaming became more mainstream and you no longer really had physical media well now you're potentially not even owning the license to the game you're uh, playing you're going into a subscription while that has been uh, kind of uh, eased into with uh, EA and Microsoft. This is going to be kind of going all in. And there's also going to be that kind of balking with people that remember OnLive or have tried some of these other services that honestly, uh, if what I recall from the Battle Nonsense video, wasn't very good. So while Google has the horsepower there to be able to throw at it, it's going to be a uphill battle, I think, in uh, player perception. And it's just going to be how long can Google stick with it before they try to give up. Which I do think Google will persist with this. I don't think this is going to be, uh, you know, six months they uh, give up and that's it. I think Google will go long term for this and eventually make it work. It's just how long does it take before the service becomes more mainstream? Yeah. I, I think they'll stick with it too. You know, I don't know where sort of their cutoff point is. Obviously, I have no way to know that. But, you know, you're saying this is going to cost a lot of money. Yes, this is definitely already cost a lot of money. I mean, so that, they're going to I mean, try they did, and get. Uh, they did the uh, the test room with the Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, yeah. Here, uh, Project Stream. So, yeah, they already have uh, at least part of the infrastructure in place for one game. So it's more of a question just, yep, can they uh, work out all the kinks where you know, uh, the latency of uh, control, can they get it to an acceptable level for the general public, especially in those gaps in their data centers? Uh, how are they going to handle uh, those gaps? Are they going to try to pr uh, produce a new data center or are they going to put essentially a hub there to get into their uh, fast network? Uh, there's uh, a lot of unknowns right now, especially in the U.S., because they sounded like they wanted to expand this pretty quickly. Uh, but, yeah, it's easier said than done, especially when you start bringing local governments into these things. Yeah. I mean, uh, Facebook, using the example for that, has been trying to strike a deal with my state, not to build a data center here or anything. It's literally a pass-through cable. It took them years to be able to uh, strike this deal. 
and it's literally just connecting Virginia and Ohio with a couple places where the local ISPs would be able to uh, splice into it to get uh, a high-speed internet uh, for the middle mile. So, you know, it's all about the deals that they could strike uh, to, for expansion. And that's, uh, yeah, that makes me worried about it, how quickly this will uh, expand over time. But, yeah, I do think it is the future. It's just the question of, at least in the U.S., when are we going to get off our asses and actually get to the, well, I guess we should say the 20th century, since we're in the 21st now. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Makes me wonder, how many people are in the U.S. are still on dial-up? That'd be a hell of an experience, huh? You're Googling this, aren't you? Yep. Uh, I don't know if it's from 2013. Uh, well, Here's a 2015 article that says 2.1 million still use AOL dial-up. Hmm. Uh, 2016 uh, says 9.4 million uh, across pretty much everything. Ah, go away, video. So, yeah, there's still people out there with dial-up uh, internet. <laughs> that must be like digital hell, huh? Yeah. God, dial-up sucks. I mean, it was great a long time ago when that was... Everything you know. was text-based. Yeah. You meant to try to download a single image uh, on today's compressions. <laughs> Who was it that did uh, Nostalgia? Not Nostalgia Nerd, but... Uh, Techmoan, 8-Bit Guy. No, neither of them. I mean, maybe they did one, but I haven't seen it. No, there was somebody who did, um, you know an internet on dial-up like can you still use the internet modern web browsers today on dial-up or something like that it was terrible not the video the video was great <laughs> trying to use a computer on dial-up was terrible yeah now i'm trying to find it because it sounds familiar nostalgia nerd it wasn't nostalgia nerd using a 56k modem in 2017 that's the one that i have seen yeah, speaking of nostalgia, that uh, dial-up noise, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, on the one hand, I kind of like the noise, but on the other hand, I hate it. Uh, it's up but I had dial-up. I had dial-up for a long time, all the way up until the mid-2000s. When did we get high-speed internet? 2007? Yeah, 2006, 2007. I was in high school when we finally got high-speed internet. It was terrible. Uh, Back in my day. So, uh, speaking of the interwebs, should we move along? Yeah. Uh, uh, this is an article that, or a, a thing that Steam is putting out that's kind of lining up rather nicely with the major news that we ended up talking about way longer than I expected. <laughs> Was that they've essentially untethered the Steam link. So that now, as long as you have an internet connection that can handle it, you could, uh, you know, play a Steam Link game anywhere. And just to test this out just beforehand, uh, before the recording tonight, I updated my Steam client and I was playing Yakuza 0 because that's like my test bed game right now. Mostly because it has a lot of reds in it. I guess, yes, I know. I'm hung up on the reds. I sound like a Democrat, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but... 
uh, and plus it's uh, you know hot on my uh, uh, recently played list, so it's a good you know game to grab. So I was uh, streaming it to my mobile phone, but the mobile phone was not connected to my Wi-Fi network, and it actually ran fairly decently. I mean, to be fair, 4G is not meant for that type of, of video. So, you know, it wasn't exactly, uh, you know, butterly, butterly smooth, but it was playable. And if I took my phone to somewhere that had decent uh, Wi-Fi, I, would, I could see it being actually playable for uh, you know, quite a few games. So this is actually very interesting. And this is kind of the alternate way to do gaming uh, on the go, huh? Yeah, I haven't tried it. I didn't even hear about it until you uh, mentioned it to me today. But I might try it out at some point. I just don't know when I would use it other than to just, like, try it. At the office? Maybe. But my internet at work is not great. I mean, the internet... Like, if I had access to the full bandwidth there, it would be great because they've got fiber. But, you know, they... Well, you don't like oatmeal. Because there's... I don't hate oatmeal, but it does have lots of carbs in yeah, it. Yeah, it would kill you. But uh, but everyone's throttled to 40 megabits, like every connection. And there's well, if you have over a, 100 people connected every day, doing stuff all day. Yeah, I was trying to think of uh, you know, a possible uh, use for you. Especially if it's uh, you know, a game that doesn't have a lot of motion in it. Because that's the thing, is that... Yeah, you could limit the uh, uh, the frame rate. Oh god, I could play BattleTech at work finally. It's over. I'm getting fired. Thanks, Rage. You just got me fired. Well, to be fair, it's not the dumbest way you've gotten fired. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll try it at some point. It's just it, but... it, it kind of lines up rather nicely, and I've been toying around with the hardware version of the Steam Link and. You know, after getting a couple of the nuances with my particular system, it actually works fairly well over the local network. So, yeah, they do some uh, actually really good compression uh, uh, to be able to do it over actual interwebs. So it's a um, you know it's interesting just to see it uh, kind of uh, uh, this come out at the same time that you know Google basically just walks in and uh, takes the news cycle, huh? Yeah, and I have it's seen, a whole new cycle. Seen, we were on uh, that for a very long time. Oh yeah, we were on it like three times as long as I expected to. Yeah, but I have seen some people uh, showing off, uh, you know, how they've been playing uh, different games. There was a, a video I saw earlier today that uh, before I saw this article uh, of them uh, playing uh, Breath of the Wild. At a college lecture, lecture with a PlayStation Four controller. <laughs> yeah, that. I saw that. I saw that on Reddit. Well, it was using Moonlight, I believe, but it's the same idea. So, yeah, uh, it uh, tells uh, it removes the tab in video cards because that's what Moonlight requires. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, anything uh, really here to talk about that we haven't, yeah, you know, we have already covered with Stadia. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, so it's almost 1230. Our other two news topics and how long have we been recording for? 
Oh god, nearly three hours. <laughs> and Game Club. You wanna peel those off? Oh you mean Discovery Q? Or yeah, Discovery Q. I was Q. about to say Game, Game Club. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Game Club. Discovery Q. That was my bad. I fucked up. We're doing it live, as always. Uh you're about to turn into a pumpkin on me? I am about to turn into a pumpkin on you. Alright. I guess we could let you go then. We will put those on and see if they could go up next week or if they'll get forgotten for whatever next big news topic there is. Sorry, what? Huh? 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 What? (laughs) All right. Um, We will do Community Corner really quickly. There's... uh, We didn't get... uh, I'll say we didn't get anything worth putting up. Yeah. I'll say it that way. Um... But just a reminder for everyone, uh, next week's community game night is going to be Minecraft. And like I said last week, we've got a, well, some of our community members have a server that has been up for quite a while. I don't know if there's a plan to work on a project. There was mention of that previously. It has not come up. Um, maybe I'll try and find out and then post in Discord if there is like something that's planned to be worked on. I think everyone's just going to dick around and, and just hang out for a couple hours. Um, so you feel free, feel free to drop in if you want to, and don't, if you don't, I guess, um, we'll talk about getting some, a couple weeks planned out ahead again, uh, that way next week can let you guys know what the plan is for the next couple of weeks. I know that we've got some ideas. I don't remember if we said actually on the recording or not, um, about Galaxy Trucker, yeah, I need to look at um, how learning. the board game is played. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be in some other company of heroes this week. Yeah, I got to do that too. I try but, to, you know, there's. I'm uh, finishing up the game you know, within a few days of the recording, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not pro- procrastination completely, it's planning. It's the other P. But, uh, you know, there's been some stuff that other people have mentioned along the way, but that was just an idea that we we had based on Rage's enjoyment of Galaxy Trucker. So, but that's not set in stone yet. We got to learn how to play and make sure it works well on, I guess, tabletop and stuff. But anyways, we'll get some stuff, another couple, three games planned out, and I'll let you guys know about that next time. Where can they find us, Rage, if they're going to send us emails to the show? Well, you can find us at Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or you just tweet them to us, Podcast on the Twitter. And sure, I'll go ahead and just do the complete outro. <laughs> yeah, hit them with the socials, Rage. Uh, so, well, I've already done the socials, so if you wish to help pay for this absolute madness, or the Stadia podcast, it seems, this week... <laughs> You can find us over on patreon.com slash Podcast, which our lovely, lovely patrons uh, pay for our website, bglpodcast.podbean.com, where you can find the show notes, our RSS feed, links to all our stuff, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes, Gaming with CR on the Twitter, and eventually... When I get back around to it, over on Twitch, caffeine underscore rage. And you have been? 
Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on YouTube by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707 and on Steam at JArthur4707. And if you also wish to hit them with the password for the week, the password for this week is Infrastructure. Infrastructure. Nice. Uh, one of the weeks that, you know, it's uh, pretty obvious what the word should be, <laughs> right? Yeah. And also what's obvious is our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at Incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>